All right. Peace. Thank you for sharing your info. I mean, your uh, music. All rights reserved. All rights reserved. This is the Tameko Show. I don't even know who's actually watching, but you know what? We're going to do this anyway. I said, we're going to do this anyway. Me said, me going to do this anyway. Me going to do this anyway. So the topic of today is again about the human sexuality situation, about the exploitation and all them things, about how these historically, uh, you know, it hasn't just been black women, it's been women, period, who have been exploited. Oh, snap. Hold up. Hold up. Exploited in this uh, historical situation. It's been a, a, a bit of a, a historical trip. So I'm going to start by playing something a bit vulgar. I'm going to just let you know ahead of time. It's going to probably be a little vulgar. It's, it's a song from my... Um, First album, it's called Vows, Victims of White Supremacy. Um, if I could see how to get to my page, how about that? There we go. So this is a song called Video Ho, and it came out years ago, but I'm about to play it for you right now. Here we go. Video ho is not a disrespect to women. It's let's see if I can play it on here. You want loyalty from me, but what are we showing the world that you're not protecting your queen from hurt and pain and misery? We look like whores across the shores. Yeah, let them think you be the weak. You are my king, my natural mate. Please represent the run. So that's from my album video ho you want loyalty from me but what are we showing the world that you're not protecting your queen from hurt and pain and misery we look like wars across the shores yeah, let them think you we the weak you are my king my natural mate please represent don't run away my behavior's on your eating teach me don't eat me if i'm weak i'm a victim of this white rapist who's historically abused Oh, enough about that. So look, all rights reserve, all rights reserve. So there's been a lot of talk. What up, Tyrone Church? D Lovely. What up, D Lovely? I'm just getting it started. So this, this is supposed to be kind of fun. This is an open panel as well. You are welcome to join in the fun. I'm going to put the link in the, in the uh, chat 
but give me a minute to introduce what we're talking about and then we're going to get into it but here's the link i, I would love for people to bring their one cent two cent red cent, cent blue cent on here so basically all week i've been hearing all this bull well for the last few years but intensely since kevin samuels died i've been hearing a whole bunch of complaining between the sexes i've hear, heard women complain about men and how brothers is this and that and i've heard brothers complain about sisters talking about you always got attitude and this and that and so since we're both part of the same roots part of the same branches i want us to recognize that we are all what up mario we got to help each other through this man we got to help each other so i wanted to go into a little bit of history of sexual slavery in the united states and uh i would like to get some images on the screen for you while i'm reading so i'm trying to see if i could get a little bit of images so you could well you could read with me why don't we just read together why not how about that let's just put it on the screen i got a bunch of stuff on here and i'm not going to go in exact order of things either i also took notes where are my glasses at hold on let me get my glasses i took notes i actually had time last night y'all and i took notes so let me read some of that. Um, history of hoes. Hey. <laughs> uh, let's see. The history of sexual slavery in the United States is the history. I know people like, oh, Wikipedia, Wikipedia. I am very selective on what I get from Wikipedia, and I don't just go by Wikipedia. Well, let's quit playing. Wikipedia has a lot of information. Anyway, the history of sexual slavery in the U.S., is the history of slavery for the purpose of sexual exploitation as it exists in the United States. Enslaved, I do not like the term African-American. That is an oxymoron, a contradiction. There is no such place as Africa, unless you mean the Arab uh, colonies that circle around the Mediterranean. The rest are countries that are called like, uh, you know, Angola, Sierra Leone, Gabon. You know, they have names. Anyway, but we don't, they don't ever tell us, we, we don't ever talk about which ones we're from. And you know why? Because we've been here for so damn long, we ain't directly from them. We came when the shit was all connected. Boom. But anyway, they were systematically raped or forced to reproduce with other enslaved people. Yeah, there was these things called um, buck houses, buck rooms. Y'all ever heard of that? Y'all ever heard of that term, having sex like slaves? yeah they have buck rooms so you could be you know just like how people do cats and dogs today they just don't give a damn if they brothers and sisters and shit. they didn't care if we was brother and sister uncle and mama daddy and cousin they didn't give a damn they just wanted more people and that's not all people let me explain what i've come to learn in this research that a lot of this stuff popped off in new orleans and in the caribbean islands now these caribbean ladies men everybody got mad at me on instagram because you know there's this viral video going on with um what's that rapper from chicago chance chance the rapper he's down in the caribbean during carnival and he's all putting his peen peen dancing all up on the honeys and all of that and i said okay yeah word that they're all so proud of their kind of tradition right and i was saying word but do you know where that comes from it comes from a history of prostitution and incest okay forced sexual oppression 
but y'all dance and act like it's all good. It ain't, it ain't all good. And, 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 and it, it sets a bad precedent. But everybody just jumps and cheers and shakes their ass. Okay, anyway, let me explain. So in American, uh, there was a slave trade, but there wasn't the whole bringing black people from the Atlantic Ocean bullshit. I don't believe that story no more, y'all. That's some bulls. I can refer you to some books. There's lots of them, but people don't read. So they always assume that black people just all just came over in the slave trade from 1619 to 17, whatever, right? But that's not the whole truth. The real part of part of the truth, because again, a lot of black people, so-called black people, we know that we are misnamed. We are the original so-called inhabitants of Turtle Island. We are the we we've been over here, right? They just brought their ass over here and started doing too much. That's really what happened. But anyway, in that there was a sex slavery. There was that. Okay. So now let's look. They say right here. Native American women were often kidnapped to be traded, sold, or taken as wives. Early, early American colonists were mostly men, and some resorted to rape to procure wives. Whew, let's keep going. <clears throat> the early Americas. It is contended by some that as early as the 1490s, Christopher Columbus had established trade in sex slaves on Hispaniola. That's Puerto Rico now which included sex slaves as young as nine years old. Within 25 years of being colonized, the native population of Hispaniola drastically declined due to the effects of enslavement massacre and infectious disease. However, others consider this contention to have arisen from a misreading of primary documents. Columbus does mention the selling of slaves, but as atrocities of a rebelling faction. He continues with, his com with this comment, I declare solemnly that a great number of men have been to the Indies who did not deserve baptism in the eyes of God or men and who are now returning thither, whatever. They came over to the colonies. They had never seen these colored folks before like this. And they tripped out and they took advantage of the kindness. Now the people were taken off guard. The, in, the native family, as they like to call us. Um, when you think of native America and you're thinking of these um, Westerns from the 1960s, you know what I'm saying? That, that use these, uh, uh, mixtures of people and, and they're, they're this, they're the label of Indian or native American, but we, you look in the mirror, y'all, that's us. And let me tell you, look, I got a gang of homies, like a few of my homegirls have gotten with Mexican men. And of course I know a gang of homies that's with Mexican women out in LA and uh, most of Las Vegas was, is with mixed, you know, it's either Hawaiian and black or Mexican and black or white and Mexican or white and black or Mexican and Filipino and Philippine. Everybody mixed out here. Right. <clears throat> and in that give a generation or two, don't nobody so-called look the phenotypical so-called black. You know what I'm saying? Everybody looks like they basically Arab or Middle Eastern or, uh, or Latino looking, you know what I mean? When they're mixed or Creole as we call it, you know what I mean? But let me keep reading, let me keep reading. Um, from the beginning of African slavery in the North American colonies, that's a misnomer again, but anyway, slaves were often viewed as property rather than people, plassage, and that's what we're gonna get into, plassage, a formalized system of concubinage among slave women or free people of color developed in Louisiana and particularly New Orleans by the 18th century. Now look at this picture. So you can't probably see it too big on your screen, but 
It's an actual drawing. It's a portrait called Three Young White Men and a Black Woman. Okay. And look how they got her. They got her all just threesomed out the game. You feel me? Look how black that woman is, too. This is in 1632. Got her sitting on the lap, and she is not looking like she's happy about it. But they disrespected her face by having her look. They, they gave her, they didn't really give her a face. They made her look like a gorilla. So what's that saying about them? You feel me? Like, why would you make a woman look like that? So anyway, let's keep going. Louisiana is where a lot of stuff popped off. If you didn't know, Louisiana is older than America. When we think of America, we're really talking about 13 colonies. But, but aside from those 13 colonies, y'all, think, think, think. The whole rest of America, so-called, that land space that we now call America, had people on it. Right. They never teach it like that. They teach it like how they teach about Adam and Eve. You know, when you listen about Adam and Eve, you think they're the only people on the whole planet Earth, the way they tell the story. And then they go and have what? Cain and Abel. And then uh, wait, who kills who? I forget who. Cain kills Abel. And then Cain goes running off and he has a wife in a whole nother town. And then church, they don't never explain that. When you be like Pastor Chicken Hawk, how do you explain that Cain left or Abel, one of them left? And then they had a wife in a whole nother town. How do you explain that when Adam and Eve was supposed to be the only two? Well, they're the only two of those type of beings, okay? But they never explain it like that. So just like they don't ever explain in public school, the fact that the 13 colonies was just that, the penal colony for the British prisoner, you know, let me, let me, I got to tell a little history. Okay, so the Dutch were already in this colony area, right? The Native American, so-called, and the so-called Spaniard. I'm gonna just call black people. I'm gonna call Indians blacks, blacks Indians. It's interchangeable for me. Uh, we were all here. Everybody was chilling. Nobody was really warring or beefing too much. Give or take some tribal stuff here and there, until the freaking British came. The British came because look, black people was already here. A lot of them were speaking Spanish. Sp some spoke French. But back then, the Spanish was running everything. They was, they owned Louisiana first, okay? And then the, the French came and bought uh, Louisiana from the Spanish, right? But in that, it was men coming over here. And they needed women. They needed some house, okay? So this is where the story dives in. All right. Blastage. The plassage system developed from the predominance of white men among early colonial populations who took women as consorts from Native Americans and enslaved Africans. So look, when you think of the word Native American now, you think of Indians. You think of like Pocahontas and shit, right? Which Pocahontas is real. That's real. Um, but Native just means original to the land, okay? And American, you know... Uh, they tell many different stories on how America became the name America, right? They say it was Fry Amerigo Vespucci, right? But we don't really fucking know. Everything is a lie. But enslaved Africans, that means they're separating the two. There was us that was already here. And then the one, some of the little small portion that they did still, they did still the, the ones who knew how to farm and knew how to navigate. They did. They stole them from West Africa and they brought them. Now I got to show you a map because I'm not going to make sense if you don't really understand. I got to show you the, I got to show you the map. 
Let me show you this map of Africa and uh, America. Let's just do the Atlantic. They call it the Atlantic slave trade, but again, that's again a misnomer. Uh, let's go. Here we go. It's the Atlantic people trade. You feel me? It wasn't no slaves cracking. They stole humans. But let's get into that. Let's show that. Let me show this map for y'all right quick. All right. Here we go. Let's try this right here. Here we go. Why am I showing all this? Because it's all relative, man. It's, ugh. Okay, I don't want to take a, I don't want to take a tour. Okay, here we go. Oh, God, skip for now. Here we go. I don't know. Let me see if this looks big on your, can we make this bigger? Let's make this bigger. All right. Let's see how it look on y'all and let me see. Okay, it's not making it bigger. Let's make it bigger. Here we go. All right, let's see. Can y'all see that? Yeah, let's move that. All right, so I got to go here because there's no explaining twerking. There's no explaining this exploitation that keeps going down. There's no explaining our mental hypnotism. We're all hypnotized. We're not, we're, we're, we're all, not all of us, but quite a lot of us are feeding into the decadence and the immoral and unethical behaviors that are causing us to stay at the bottom right now. Okay. So for us to understand certain things, I'd like to explain where the originations of the machinations, derivations come from nations. Okay. So just roll with me. I promise I'll put it all together and it'll make sense. Hopefully it's making sense to a lot of us already, but if it doesn't, I promise I'll explain it even more. All right. So <clears throat> here's the so-called continent of Africa. Do you see this little arrow? I hope the arrow is showing. So they're making it like, let's look at the Let's look at the blue line, right? The blue line is the one that they say they brought Africans from, let's say, Angola, Central West Africa. That's Ghana. That's Nigeria. That's Benin. That's Senegal. That's uh, 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 Rwanda, as they call it now. That was Angola back in the day. All right. So those small portions of people, they did come to Virginia they were dropped off in Virginia, Philadelphia, New York, and Boston. Also, they brought some uh, enslaved people, mostly, though, to the Jamaican Caribbean islands. You see down here where it says Caribbean islands? That's where 96% of the Black people who were put in slavery went. Okay, they went to, look at that pink. You see that pink right there? It says slaves. Yeah, that's that's where they went. That's where they went. You don't see no arrows coming from Africa directly to. Yeah, now I see it. It don't. Look at that. It, th there's no. The only slaves that came was from the islands. Damn, I never even noticed that shit before. Hold up. Who ride with me? Who ride with me? Hold up. Hey, press one in, in, the, in the chat if y'all see what I'm, what I'm talking about. Ain't no arrows coming directly from Africa to America with no slaves. Peep it, peep it. You see whale oil, lumber, furs going to England, right? You see the little orange shit, rice, silk, indigo, tobacco, sugar, molasses, wood. That's the orange going arrow pointing to England, right? Then you got the manufactured goods, luxuries. They sent guns, cloth, iron, and beer to Africa. You see the little yellow shit right there from England to Africa. You see that, right? All right. 
Now look at the pink shit again. It says gold, ivory, spices, and hardwoods. They took that shit up to England. You see the arrow going up, right? Bam. All right, so check it, people. You only see the pink motherfucking line going to the Caribbean islands, my niggas. That's where they sent the slaves, all right? They didn't send no goddamn slaves to America. And that's what they keep lying telling us. So let's let me let's let's go there. All right. Now you can get this book called How Sugar Changed the World. That's just one reference I'll give you right off the bat. Let me type that into the chat. How sugar changed the world. Now I know people don't read, but you best buy these books while they're able to get bought. Because just like people told us for years to go get the Blacks Dictionary, we ain't get it. Now that shit $500, right? How Sugar Changed the World. Go get that book. What it will tell you is how the slave trade actually popped off um, in the the, uh, voices of two people. They're a married couple. One is Jewish, one is uh, Indian, and they're a married couple, and they go in to explain how their family so it ain't just theory. It ain't their opinion about some shit. Their family documentation about them. One was the Indian who uh, they, they sent hundreds of thousands of East Indians to the Caribbean islands to be like the overseers. And some were slaves, but mostly they were the middlemen. They hired the Indians. You know, the British was running India. So the British sent the Indians over to the Caribbean islands to look over this just recently stolen enslaved Africans that they brought to these Caribbean islands. All right, so let's look at that. Look at these Caribbean islands. That's Jamaica, that's Cabo, Tabo, and the Pabo. You know, they got all them names. Tago and Tobago, you know. <laughs> I'm Dominican. They so proud to be Dominican. Okay, Haiti, Puerto Rico. All of that was where they sent the slave, the Africans, not the slave. They were Africans, okay? But we ain't even gonna say they're Africans because they wasn't Africans. They was Angolans. They was they. There was Tweed. They was Twa. They was Husu. They was Hausa. They was all them. You know what I'm saying? They sent them to the Caribbean islands. Now look at the little purple. I want y'all to look at the little purple, purple. Look at your purple. You see the purple line right there. You see the purple. That says slaves. Okay, it's twice slaves going to Charleston, North Carolina, or South Carolina. Sorry, Charleston, South Carolina, and slaves up to, they usually took them to Virginia, all right, because they really got them into the tobacco shit, but yeah, none came to America from there, see, from how sugar changed the world, it said that 96% of the slave boats went to the Caribbean islands in South America, and only 4% came to America, they lying to us, they keep telling us our black asses came off them boats, some of us did, but not directly. Most of us was already here. Already here, chilling. And they named us, you know, have you ever heard that term $5 Indian? A $5 Indian was a white folk who wanted to steal land from us, wanted to be called Indian. They would pay $5 to the government or whoever, and they would be labeled as Indian and they would take the land. Okay, I want this to be 1,000% clear okay so they did have slavery of course we know that but they stole people from jamaica from trinidad right and brought them to america through charleston and through jamestown 
and also through New Orleans. Now that goes into the next part of our story. Okay. So that's why I put, I went there to give you a little background, a little backdrop on what the fuck is really popping. Please spread the word. Look at this map. This is from the Smithsonian. Okay. For those who need uh, validations, you can go to Smithsonian dot. Let me see where it's coming from. Let's show you. Okay. Learninglab.si.edu. Uh, yeah. We ain't from there, y'all. We ain't from that. Now, some of us might be mixed with Africans who they stole from the slave trade. You know what I'm saying? But the people who are the natural inhabitants from this land is the black people that's been here that they call, well, they call us black, but we're not black. We're Native American, Indian, whatever you want to call us. We need a new name, y'all. I can't take it. I can't take it. But let's keep moving. Let's keep studying. So where am I going with that? Okay. So now we move on. So since we got clear on the fact that a lot of us came, a lot of people came through the port of New Orleans. Let's get into that. Let's get into that history of, here we go. Let's go back. History of sexual slavery in the United States. All right. Now, now we are, when they say Native American women, that's us. That's the black women. But you know, when niggas start fucking with other people from other fucking colors and shit, sometimes, you know, we don't look original like you know we look mixed like most people look after they you know when you have a kid with a person you know what i'm talking about do i gotta show you pictures i'll show you pictures but let's go let's keep going i'm on the second okay the plissage system had y'all heard of the plissage anybody ever heard of plissage system why am i mentioning the plissage system we're gonna get into that what is that have anybody ever heard of that who got family members in the South, in New Orleans? Anybody? Well, I do. Okay. So it's a long story short. The plissage system was when rich white men would come over to New Orleans and they didn't bring wives, okay? And, okay, let me just read the shit. The plissage system developed from the predominance of white men among early colonial populations who took women as consorts from Native Americans and enslaved Africans. In this period, there was a shortage of European women as the colonies were dominated in the early day by male explorers and colonists. Given the harsh conditions of Louisiana, persuading women to follow the men was not easy. France sent females convicted along with their debtor husbands and in 1719 deported 209 women felons who were, quote, who were of a character to be sent to the French settlement. So basically they would scoop up hoes off the streets of France and send them to New Orleans to be prostitutes. So if you was a criminal, a woman criminal in, 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 in France, they would just take you off the street and make you basically a sex trade. They was the original traffickers, basically, y'all. They would trade the women, bring them to New Orleans for the men to hump on when they came over, when they was, you know, coming over here to make their money. So let's keep going. Marriage between, okay, over time, it also imported African female slaves. Okay. Wait, hold up. I skipped something. Hold up. Through, war through warfare and raids, Native American women were often captured to be traded, sold, or taken as wives. At first, the colony generally imported male Africans to use as slave labor because of the heavy work of clearing to develop plantations. Over time, it also imported African female slaves. Marriage between the races was forbidden according to the Code Noir of the 18th century, but interracial sex continued. Duh. The upper-class European men during this period often did not marry until their late 20s or early 30s, 
premarital sex with an intended white bride, especially if she was a high rank, was not permitted socially. White, co white male colonists, often the younger sons of noblemen, military men, and planters who needed to accumulate some wealth before they could marry, took women of color as consorts before marriage. Merchants and administrators also followed this practice if they were wealthy enough. All right, so after the enslaved people were emancipated, meaning after they freed the slaves, many states passed anti-miscegenation laws. Do you know what that is, y'all? Anti-miscegenation? That means you can't marry nobody out, outside of your race. All right, they, they, they didn't want that. So they passed the law saying you couldn't do that. All right, which prohibited interracial marriage between whites and non-whites. But this did not stop some white men from taking sexual advantage of black women by using their social positions under the Jim Crow system and white supremacy or in other parts of the country by ordinary power and wealth dynamics. So even the Chinese did it. Look at this, Chinese Tonka females were sold from Guangzhou to work as prostitutes for the overseas Chinese male community in the United States. You know, during the California gold rush in the late 1840s, Chinese merchants transported thousands of young Chinese girls, including babies from China to the United States and sold them into sla sexual slavery within the red light district of San Francisco. Girls could be bought for as cheap as $40 in Guangzhou and sold for $400 in the US. Many of these girls were forced into opium addiction and lived their entire lives as prostitutes. Anglo-American doctors claim that opium smoking led to increased involvement in prostitution by young white women and to genetic contamination via miscegenation by Chinese men. So basically they say white slavery, white prostitutes, that was a very big thing in the West, by the way. We're gonna get into that too. Um, there were so many mixed babies. It was just ridiculous. It was like Chinese and white babies, black and white babies. They was like, what in the hell? But I mean, you know, contraception, you know, it is what it is. All right. So let's get back into that plissage though. I want to get back into that because that really, okay, let, let me see. A few captives from Native American tribes who were used as slaves were not freed when African American, we're not African American, by the way, the Ute women captured by the Arapaho and later sold to a Cheyenne was one example. Used as a prostitute for sale to American soldiers at cantonment in the Indian territory, she lived in slavery until about 1880 when she died of a hemorrhage resulting from excessive sexual intercourse. Y'all hear that? They had so much sex with this woman, they blew her back out, literally. And let me tell y'all something about this white slavery, y'all. It was just cracking everywhere. Let me tell you, first of all, if you didn't know, in uh, the Jamaican islands, they sent, okay, this, you know, the British don't like the Irish. Well, they used to not. I don't know how they are today. But the British never liked the Irish people. So the Irish going through this hunger situation back in the 1700s. Do you know this one? Let me, let me look that up. Let me look that up so y'all can see what I'm talking about. Irish sent to Jamaica. Welcome to Jamrock. You ever notice how a lot of Jamaicans have um, Irish last names? Have you ever noticed that? Like Peter Tosh is Peter McIntosh. Did you know Bob Marley's dad? Was, well, he was, I mean, you know, that's years later and stuff, but I'm just saying. In 1655, Henry Cromwell, Major General of the Parliamentary Army in Ireland, 
arranged for the kidnapping and enslavement of a thousand Irish girls and a thousand Irish young men to be sent to assist in conquest and planting of Jamaica. So that's what happened. Basically, um, this one count so-and-so, Henry Cromwell, he sent a thousand Irish boys ages 10 to 14 to Jamaica, right, to help with the plantation. They were slaves. They weren't overseers and none of that shit. Don't believe that. They were slaves. And then a year later, they brought over a thousand Irish girls ages 10 to 14. Yeah, Oliver Cromwell, that's his name. A skilled politician was from a wealthy family and a descendant of Thomas Cromwell, whatever, whatever. He sent the he sent the Irish. Let's let's read that part. Cromwell and the displacement of the Irish. Why am I bringing all this? Up? It's all relative, okay? Like black people, you got to know that a lot of history with the Irish is deep. Like, like my family, we're the McGowans. Like on my uh, on my great grandfather's side, they're the McGowans, right? And in Alabama, even there's the white McGowans and then there's the black McGowans. And from what my mother was telling me you know, during segregation, even though they all still kind of went to the same high school and the white McGowans knew that the black McGowans were their cousins, nobody, you know, interacted or whatever. But it's just like a long history of, uh, you know, of, of Irish and black people. Do y'all know about that? Anybody comment? Come on, tell me something. Talk to me. We're going to get into the plissage right now. Here we go. All right. I really... So let's 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 talk into it. What is plissage? We're gonna get into that. Let's get into it. Why is it relative? It's all relative. I promise you. You have to know the history of some shit so you can change it. If you don't know where the shit comes from, it's gonna keep repeating itself. All right. Plissage was a recognized extra legal system in French and Spanish slave colonies in North America, including the Caribbean, by which ethnic European why well, didn't call them ethnic? They was French and Spanish calling them ethnic. Let me keep it moving. They're getting on my nerves. All right. So basically, what was it? All right. Let me let me read what they say it was. I, I can break it down, but let me just... The term comes from the French placer, meaning to place with. The women were not legally recognized as wives, but were known as placés, right? A placeholder, right? Their relationships were recognized among the free people of color as marriage de la main gauche, or left-handed marriages. They became institution, institu you hear that? It was institutionalized. <laughs> they were institutionalized with contracts or negotiations that settled property on the woman and her children, and in some cases gave them freedom if they were enslaved. The system flourished throughout the French and Spanish colonial periods, reaching its zenith during the latter between 1769 and 1803. It was widely practiced in New Orleans where planter society had created enough wealth to support the system. It also took place in the Latin-influenced cities of Natchez in Biloxi, Mississippi, Mobile, Alabama, St. Augustine in Pensacola, Florida, as well as St. Domingo, now known as the Republic of Haiti. Passage became associated with New Orleans as part of its cosmopolitan society. Now, we're also going to talk about these quadroon and octoroon balls. Have you heard about that? Those were big parties. Yeah, right? They were big parties where they would have all these mixed chicks. They'd be like the Mariah Carey's, the Halle Berry's, and even like the, uh, who, who was them chicks that was passing? 
Let me show you some of these old white ladies that probably would have been like, what's her name? Uh, uh, Dinah Shore. Dinah Shore. I don't know if y'all old enough to remember who the hell Dinah Shore was, but she was a very popular artist throughout the 40s, 50s, and 60s. She's an octoroon. But in Hollywood, they let her pass for white. Y'all see her? Y'all heard of her, right? Dinah Shore? Let me know. Come on, give me shout out. Do something. <laughs> let me know you're right there. You see who I'm talking about. This is Dinah Shore. This is like my grandmother, my mother's generation of people. But people always used to say, Dinah Shore is black. Dinah Shore is black. And, uh, you know, they had those crazy rules about what black meant. And they had terms like quadroon and octoroon, right? So let me show you some old pictures of Dinah Shore before the nose jobs, right? Before the nose jobs and she still had some texture on the edges, right? Uh-huh. Now you see it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Way back in the day, Dinah Shore. Then she got a couple of nose jobs and kept her hair blonde, honey. Oh, yes. You would never know. You would never know. And uh, there's a few others. Okay, I don't know how old y'all are out in the audience, but okay. Do you remember the show WKRP in Cincinnati? WKRP? WKRP was a TV show that came on in the 1970s, early 80s. And you remember this lovely lady, right? Did you know she's black? Dun, dun, dun. Yes, she is. She's what they would probably call a quadrone or an octoroon, according to them dumbass labels that they give black people or people who are of color. I should say people of color. Because if you don't look black, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't consider. Back in the day, that used to also be the rule. If you didn't look black, you was you was white. You know what I'm saying? But um, Lonnie Anderson, that's her name. There we go. Lonnie Anderson. You go look at some old pictures of Lonnie Anderson when she still lived in Texas slash New Orleans. Okay, because you know Texas and Louisiana is like right next to each other. So a lot of people who wanted to start passing for white, they would just leave New Orleans. Y'all know about that though, right? Let me see if I can find some old pictures. I did a podcast on Lonnie uh, on on people who were passing in the in the film and TV industry quite a while ago on my Instagram. If you ever go to Tamiko's show, I did a thing on that like two years ago. But um, let me see if I can find some old pictures. Let me see old pictures of Lonnie Anderson. Let's see. Uh, usually it's the blonde ones, right? Old pics of Lonnie Anderson. Now, see, you go back a little ways and then you go see how they old first nose used to look when they had black hair. You know what I'm saying? Oh, here's one picture. Here we go. Here's one. You can kind of see it. Maybe right there you see it a little bit. Y'all see that picture? She kept her hair blonde, didn't she? <laughs> She was not playing. She was like, you will not know my historical past. You will not. Why she look like Barbie? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I think lovely. That's funny. But yeah, so it's look, now you could come on now. She looking like my auntie right there. You could tell in that picture, right? You could tell Lonnie Anderson was a colored woman at one point. But what they do is they do the beach bleaching creams. 
They wear the white paint makeup, you know, Max Factor. <clears throat> I think one actress talked about that. Max Factor was a famous um, uh, makeup artist and he created a line of makeup specifically for people who wanted to pass to make them whiter. So that's what a lot of women did. A lot of women who wanted to pass for uh, white in the film industry or television industry, they would use this certain color of Max Factor makeup. And then of course they got the nose job and then they kept the, they kept the hair blonde child. They kept the hair blonde. And that's her. And then you heard the other one. Uh, what's her name? What is that lady's name? Um, yeah, she talks like this and she's like 90 years old. What is her name? Oh my God. I can't think of her name right now. Can't think of her, but when it comes to me, I'll get it. Um, but why am I bringing that up? Because all of it's important when it deals with the sexuality and the, and the, and the fucking psychosis we can't seem to get out of. It's coming. It's coming. I promise. People are obsessed with people who are mixed. People tend to put mixed people on the screen and have them represent as if they're black. Whereas, you know, I don't mind that personally, but now, you know, a lot of black, well, excuse me, people of color mixed, uh, they tend to not want to be called black black you know what i'm saying they be on some i'm i'm mixed oh no what's that i'm biracial that's the phrase they brought that shit around in the 90s i'm biracial all right i wouldn't mind but you know keep that same motherfucking energy when y'all play us in the music videos and when y'all rapping and when y'all you know do you know claiming black culturally uh you know cardi b is a very good example now with to me, Cardi B is black, period. Okay. But I know some sisters be hardcore with that shit. They be like, she is not black. And I'm like, she from Dominican, bitch, she black. Because all of them is black. <laughs> they just mixed, you know what I mean? They just mixed. But and I don't and, and even black is a misnomer. We shouldn't be called black. You know, we really need to come up with a new name for ourselves. You know, I don't like foundational black American. That shit ain't rocking for me. That ain't, that sound like a goddamn bank. Welcome to foundational black American. I don't, I don't think that sound hip and cool. We've always been hip and cool. But Cardi B, here we go. I, it's not about her. But here, here's a prime example of where I'm going if I could get there fast enough. Okay, Caribbean people, and I pissed a lot of island people off yesterday, but I'm not trying to piss y'all off. But y'all think y'all ain't us anyway, and y'all ain't us. So now keep that same energy, but let's keep going. Um, remember, the boats got dropped off over there from the continent, okay? And a lot of them are mixed with Spanish and Arab. But the rest of us here? Us black people that's over him, that's been over him, we've been over him for thousands of years, okay? And we didn't come over here on those slave ships, homie. Now, let me try to find that history for you right quick so y'all can go spread that word right quick. So I got this book today. It's called The Omex. Y'all heard of The Omex? Omex. Yeah. Let's see if I can find a thing on that. All right. So... Yeah, who said that? Man, let's see. Man, if we are foundational, where's the money? Now, look, now 
Look, D Lovely, this was what this is what we really gonna find out. This is where I was going with that. So these people that's gonna be calling themselves that call themselves white, though, they're gonna be trying to claim that motherfucking money. And they're gonna be like, my great 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 grandmother was was found was black, was African. And they wouldn't be lying. It would be the truth. So do they deserve reparations? That's a trick question. Do they deserve reparations? They white so-called they are in the institution of you know the system that we are currently in they are called white but their great great grace was white it was black so-called what do we do with that have y'all thought about that have y'all thought about that did y'all see that show what's that show with the motherfucker that be looking up your uh family tree you know who i'm talking about i like that show but on that show, dude, Ben Affleck went on there. I told y'all about this the other day. Girl, men, Ben Affleck found out his great great whatever was, was black, was slaves, yo. He was bugging. He found out his people were slaves. And the movie company, whatever record, uh, movie label he's with, they, they, um, somebody, uh, what's that called? They slipped out and showed the email, the private emails public, and it showed that the mute, the movie company he was with was trying to have them not air that episode. And they didn't, they didn't, but it leaked, they leaked that shit anyway. So Ben Affleck, great, great, great. You know what I'm saying? It was black. One of his family members was black and one of his family members was slave owner. So they was trying to, they thought that was too controversial, child. That would explain why Ben Affleck got a little swag. You know what I'm saying? He does have a little swag to him. That would explain it. He got that. But um, and we are foundational. And they do, that's why, that's why I was told they misnamed us because they don't want to have to give us the money. D lovely. They want to misname us and call us something else so they could have a reason to. Bring their guns over here and shoot everybody. That's the only way they won was because they had the gun. Feel me? Think about when was the gun invented? Let me Google that. Let me see. When was the gun invented? Let's see. Well, around a thousand, by the 13th century, they had become true guns. Okay. So yeah, right around when Islam was about to end, they brought out the gun. Okay. So, okay. Real quick before we get distracted. Omec heads. These are called the Omec heads, and these are found in Mexico. Okay, like one of my friends went to Mexico, and they actually took pictures next to these Omec heads. There are multiples of these. Let me click on this one. What that face look like? Who bell pepper nose is that? See what I'm saying? You see that, right? Okay. All right. Let me show another one. That's another one. Another one. Another one. Another one. Now that look more Asian, but you know, we be looking like that too. Look at that. Look at that lips and them nose. You can't come on now. Come on now. Come on. Let me keep going. Let me let me go where I'm going with this. You see them lips and that nose? You see that, right? 
Let me make that bigger so we can see you can see what I'm talking about. Bip, bop, bop. See, you see them lips and their nose? That look like Tito Jackson from the side, don't it? All right, well, look, here we go. The old mix. This old civilization was discovered less than two centuries ago. It is the oldest. <clears throat> let me clear my throat. Where my water at? Let me let me say that again. Hold up. <clears throat> it is the oldest. <sighs> Can y'all say it with me? Can y'all type oldest in the fucking comment? Come on in the chat. Let me let me read that again. Somebody say it with me. Type oldest known Mesoamerican civilization. But unlike other Mesoamerican civilization, they were only discovered in the 19th century. That was the 1800s. It is in 1862 that a first colossal stone head was found in Tres Zapotes in the Mexican state of Veracruz. This civilization was further studied in the 20th century and other important archaeological sites were found. These discoveries led to understand this civilization and to put in light that this old civilization is the, quote, mother culture of Mesoamerica. The Olmecs are a pre-Columbian Mesoamerican civilization that was located along the Gulf of Mexico in the coastal plain of the actual states of Veracruz and Tabasco in Mexico. Indeed, this, okay, we don't need all that. Let's keep going. Okay, they exhumed them, Toltec influence, but we'll keep going. The name Omec comes from the Nahuatl language and it means people of the rubber country. Let's see, let's see if they're gonna tell it, come on. Although they disappeared around 400 BC, their decline had started around 500. This is bull, look, let's keep moving. They Now they, now they bullshit, hold up. Cosmic gods, okay, now see, now they're not talking, now they're now they full of shit. All right, let me get out of here. So what they didn't say on that particular uh, article because I did study this, the Olmecs came from West Africa a long time ago. So let me show you a map of that. Map of West Africa to Central America. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to. They gave me the wrong map. Hold on, let me let me type it in better. Map of West Africa to Central America. Well, let's just do a map of West Africa to North America or America. Let's see what happens. Maps. Okay, here we go. Let's try this. How y'all doing tonight? Y'all still with me here? Yeah, let's check this out. Let's check this out. It's all relative, I promise. I, I know I'm all over the place, but not really. Pay attention, and you'll see I'm not I'm not all over the place. All right, so here's Africa right here. Boom, right? Let me make it smaller. Hold up. So right here, I hope you guys can see my arrow. Let me see if y'all can see. Can y'all tell me if you can see what I'm, okay, let me just keep going. All right, so here we go. So this is West Africa, Gabon, Angola, Namibia, Nigeria, Ghana. You know, I'm glad my professor, you know, I took a lot of black history classes and black studies 
at Cal State Long Beach. And, you know, Dr. Sensalo was not playing. He made us memorize the whole continent of Africa. Like we had to know where every country was. And even though it's been quite a while, I'm pretty, I'm still very familiar for the most part where everything is. Mozambique, Tanzania, Zambia, Madagascar, Botswana. Okay. So people came from this particular area. You see where it says Gulf of Guinea. Remember, uh, what's the name? Not Chick Fiddler said, you Guinea man, you the Guinea man. That's what he was talking about over here. All right. So quite a lot of people came from anybody what y'all doing y'all ain't what y'all are y'all with me what's going on y'all not gonna hit me up in the chat for real okay a lot of people came from this era area called ghana and can you see how this was here does it look like it was a piece of a puzzle look at that you could just tell it shook and shimmied over there you could see that right you see that right so nobody had to go super far it was already smushed together and then when it separated my grandmother used to tell me there was this wind that used to blow straight across and they didn't have to do anything. They just was, you know, just be in the boat and the wind would just, um, just sit them over there. I mean, it's Pangea. Yeah. We've talked about that before. Let's show you a Pangea map. Let's see, show you an, uh, a, a theory of what some people think popped off. Pangea. Look at this. Oh, come on. A most delightful map. Well, here we go. So some people theorize, actually quite a lot of scientists theorize, hold on, um, <clears throat> that a long time ago, the world was one big smush pan, was just smushed. And I believe that too. Like, look, for real, if you look at See, that's the United States. Y'all see that, right? And then you see Mexico, of course, right? Colombia. See how they have the... Look at that. And then there's Africa, this continent right here. You see that? And then smush right there is Brazil. It fits so perfectly. You see that? That's South America, right? And then there's the United States. There's Canada. Smush, there's Spain. And then there's Europe in Russia and all that. So had you guys heard this before? It looks like it makes sense, right? They look like broken uh, pieces of a puzzle, don't they? Back to this. All right, so can you see that? Can you, can you see that a little more now? The pieces of the puzzle. All right, so yeah. So uh, yeah, most, a lot of us was already up in this region. Okay, chilling, minding our own business. Now, the Aztec, when I look up about the Aztec a, a couple of days ago, it says that the Aztecas mostly came from this region. I don't know if you can see that, but that's like California, Oregon, Nevada, all this area. And then they kind of, you know, traveled on down to Mexico and eventually made it down there. But they didn't, they wasn't like from there. Okay. And, and really they came from like Asia, if you really want to get really, you know, specific. They came walking across from through Canada. You know, that's why a lot of them came from, you know, look like they look in Alaska right up here. They look Indian, right? They look, we're using Indian, the general term that we all use today. Okay. But so you see there's uh, Alaska right here, right? You see that? 
Okay, and then they still speak some of their language. Gang of, gang of Indians in Canada, they get mistreated, I heard a lot, you know, and then all the way on down. So they're part of those tribes. That's why they look, you could say Mexican even, the ones that li live in Air, uh, 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 Alaska and Canada. But um, yeah, man. But we, we, black peoples, the peoples they call black, we was already here, man, for a long time. But you know how we do, man. You know what we be doing. We be mixing with folks. We be getting mixed. We like being with people from other cultures, and that's just our natural, beautiful way. I remember, uh, D. Lovely says, I remember in Damien Marley and Nas song, Distant Relatives, he said the earth was flat. If you went too far, you would fall off. Now everything shifts again, and everybody want to start love. Okay, now you know what? You brought up an interesting point. Y'all remember a few, uh, like a year, a couple, three, four years before, <laughs> before Corona, there was this whole flat, flat um, earthers cracking off. Now, if one would put, because we all only know pieces of a puzzle, right? We all know, well, nobody knows, we wasn't there, right? But if their theory was something similar to like this Pangea thing, and, you know, if you go from one part to this part, that would explain why the people think that the world was flat at one point, right? Because when we look at maps from back in the day, they don't look exactly the same as they do today. And, uh, and what, what they told us was that they didn't have enough information, you know what I mean? Like they didn't travel enough to know. But now that I understand that some of these theories about Pangea, it's possible that people did travel and that's why Christopher Columbus probably thought he had to go travel all the way around Africa to get to China because <clears throat> that's the way the maps were back then. But in 1400s, the map was different than it is today, you know? And it looked like this. This is, this is what it kind of looked like, to be honest. And we thought it was just like a half-assed drawing of Africa. Maybe we thought it was like, what they thought Africa looked like at that time. But now I could consider that, you know, even in our lifetime, the earth has shifted, right? Hasn't there been earthquakes and shit? Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, who knows what the earth might look like or how the, you know, countries might be shaped in a few years. How is that connected? I promise you, I'm still getting there. I promise you. <laughs> I just, you know, I like to, I really like for people to have full understanding. And, you know, some of the best books I've ever read always gave past or gave context to things. And, yeah, we're talking about twerking. We're going to get to that and how and all that. But I need you to understand, like, the context of what prostitution was, what sexuality was, how women were looked at at those times, what, what men's status was like at that time. If you notice, they haven't mentioned black men. They've only mentioned white men. And by white, really, they're talking about at this time, French and um, Spanish men. They really had two different families. They would have a white family and they would have a person of color family. And a lot of the people down there, I think they ended up calling those generations of mixed people Creole, right? Like my family is from Louisiana. My children's father, he's, his family's from Louisiana, and they are Creole. They do speak French, <laughs> and they all yellow. <laughs> um, this is how that happened, the plissage system. Basically, the plissage system 
allowed white men to come over to New Orleans and Haiti and marry women of color. Now let's keep going. They did start bringing white women over, but not yet. Um, France also relocated young women orphans. See now, see, they was kidnapping orphans and taking criminal women, women who were in the prison system over to New Orleans to be prostitutes. Now that got to show you some of the character of some of the women that the energy and like the consciousness and like the whole um, generationally why we have such sometimes low life behavior. You know what I'm saying? I mean, does anybody believe that behavior like low life type energy could be genetic? Does anybody roll with that? Give me some feedback. Put one in the chat if you believe that you can genetically give poor character. Is that an individual spiritual thing? What you think? What you think? Well, no, I believe it can be genetic because haven't you ever heard that shit like, uh-huh, looking like Uncle Jimmy with his sneaky ass. You ain't never heard nothing like that. Well, I believe that you could, to a degree, I believe that some of this poor ass behavior comes from the type of quality of people. Um, what what about the artist named Chronix? He's Jamaican. What about him, beautiful? Why do you mention uh, Chronix? Tell me something. All right, but while you're telling me something, let me let me I'm gonna keep going on here. All right, so white male colonists. Though we said that stuff. Okay, boom. During the period of French and Spanish rule, the gens du color came to constitute the third class in New Orleans and other former French cities between the white Creoles and the mass of black slaves. They had certain status and rights and often acquired education and property. Later, their descendants became leaders in New Orleans, holding political office in the city and state and becoming part of what developed as the African, I don't use that term, black middle class. All right. In 1788, 1,500 Creole women of color, black women were being maintained by white men. Certain customs had evolved. It was common for a wealthy married Creole to live primarily outside New Orleans on his plantation with his white family. He often kept a second address in the city to use for entertaining and socializing among the white elite. He had bought or built a house for his place and their children. Remember, place is the second wife for, you know, in America, they didn't want to promote, in, you know, multiple wives. So it's up top. Okay. All right. Thank you, D-Lovey. Um, <clears throat> remember a place is a placeholder. Uh, they wouldn't allow Frenchmen to bring their Islamic multiple wives business over here. Uh, even to this day, like, uh, you know, some Spanish families, like my friend, when I was in high school, she was devastated because her mama had learned that their father had a whole second family and they even have a name for it in Spanish. I can't think of it right now. But that comes from, you know, a distorted Islam. You know what I mean? Like they really were having the multiple wives cracking, but, you know, they didn't want to push that over here in America for some reason. So, um, so they, uh, you know, call them place. But let's keep going. All right. Hey, anybody, how y'all doing tonight? I hope you, you find whatever I'm talking about interesting. I thought it was kind of interesting. I thought so. Let me get back there. Okay. Um, inheritance and work. Look at these pictures. Creole woman of color with maid from a watercolor series. 
Creole woman of color out taking the air. Yeah, they were considered the super fine honeys of the time. And you know, not much has changed, has it? They had the hair, they had the looks, right? They were Indian, black and white. But if you notice the enslaved person is still like super dark, so-called, right? And, and that's why a lot of sisters and brothers to this day have complex complexes with their skin. It comes from this bullshit, okay? It comes from white folk picking and choosing over us, trying to, you know, they used us. They used a lot of us and a lot of us became mixed. And then the mixed ones became white, some of them, as they legally call it today. A print by Dupin after Jean-Antoine de Watteau depicting comfort women embarking unwillingly for the Americas. Whether comfort women, casket girls, or aristocrats, French women were reluctant to migrate to the French colonies. So they would steal women off the motherfucking street, y'all. Okay. They would steal women off the street. They would steal children. They would steal criminals. They would take the criminal women out of the jails and put them on boats and send them to the French colonies. Now, French colonies was everywhere. They had French colonies in the islands, of course. They had French colonies in New Orleans. And then they had French colonies in Africa. A lot of mixing started with the Greeks and the Egyptians. Yes, absolutely. You are 1000% correct. That's what I'm saying. So this whole notion of mix. I mean, that's why the Greeks look like how they look. And the Turkish. If you ever look at the Turkish people, just Google Turkish people, people of Turkey, images. They look Creole. Okay. They look exactly with what we call Creole. The same type of look, you know, same type of look. So yeah, that whole mixed notion is bullshit. There's just different degrees of brown and white and yellow shades and red based on genetics, based on where the sun is placed, based on where you are to the equator, based on your diet, based on all kinds of shit. You know what I mean? It ain't just one particular thing that makes you a different color. And, you know, and some people were trying to keep things certain colors. So they married their sister or their cousin or whatever to try to keep their skin. That's where that blue blood shit come from. You know what I mean? White folk, king and queen, all that monarchy shit. You know, they cousins multiple times over. But they had to stop doing that because they started having mentally retarded, ugly looking kids. You know, the Prince of Spain, I forget his name. Let me show y'all a picture of the Prince of Spain and King of Spain or whatever. He was deformed because I think his mom and daddy was motherfucking... They was close in age, okay? It was like, it was like brother and sister or first cousins or some shit, but they kept doing that shit. So, you know, they was like, you know what? We, we gotta stop. We gotta stop fucking our brothers and sisters and shit because they ugly. We, we getting ugly and we getting dumb. And so they stopped doing that, all right? So here's the image of this, you know, he couldn't, they, they see this is a cute picture of him, to be honest. Like, like he had such an underbite, he couldn't even chew, like, like they tried to make him look cute in the picture. Okay. You could tell something was popping with his lips, even with the cleanup pictures. You see what I'm saying? Cause they try to make him look kind of cool. 
talking about Charles II, that's him. Charles II of Spain was so ugly that he frightened his own wife. Now, how you getting a wife, though? Feel me? Look at this. Honey, something was popping off with that jawline. Okay. See, yeah, the Hasburg royal family were deformed due to inbreeding. It's like, you can't be, you can't just keep, you just can't keep doing that. You just Hasburg royal family were deformed due to inbreeding. Now, these people are the, you know, Prince Charles and all of them's peoples, all right? They all them peoples. That's they peoples, all right? They all cousins. Prince Charles, uh, the, the, whoever's the queen, princess, or duchess, any other countries, they're all cousins. Let's see, Queen Asaba of Ethiopia, own right regions going into India. And so we have the untouchables in India. Would you like to elaborate on that? I'm going to drop the link for anybody who want to add on to my Black History Lessons. Okay, if you think you could join in, join the fun. I love it. So, but let me let me get to this next point before we get into that. All right, so let's keep going. Boom, bam, hold up. Let me put something on the screen for y'all. How y'all doing? I hope this information is cool to you. Okay, so now, I, you know, the way things are clicked in here, I don't know how to put them in order. So we just go, I'm going to just talk. We're going to put it on the screen. We're going to just talk about it. All right. So, <clears throat> and I did say I was emphasizing black women, but women, period, like white women really suffered too. They suffered badly. You know, um, suffer is a suffer. I'm not going to be like comparing suffering. You know, having to have sex with people all day. And you know these motherfuckers was nasty. You know they didn't take no goddamn bath back then, but once a year or some shit. You know what I mean? Can you imagine them putting a nasty ping inside of you? You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine? So these women had it rough too. They smiling. They looking a little, a little happy right there, uh, maybe. But And then they start doing this at little girl age. Like They started like eight, nine. Did y'all know the legal age of marriage in America in the 1800s, 1830s, 40s was like 10 years old? Did you know that? Okay, look at this. They saw the soiled doves of the Wild West. Photos reveal the everyday lives of prostitutes in the brothels of the American frontier. Brothels flourished in the Old West as young men flooded the frontier in search of work, but not many women. They were often run away by savvy madams, many who started as prostitutes who became rich and prominent. These photos show prostitutes inside bedrooms mingling with customers or flashing their wares. Ooh, showing their legs, honey. You know, you didn't show your legs back then, child. Mm-hmm. They hot to death dresses, honey. Look at that. Two prostitutes pose in an elaborate room in a brothel in Miles, Montana, a town which district judge described as a lively little town a thousand inhabitants, but utterly demoralized and lawless. Ooh. Prostitutes or soiled doves and sporting women, as they were commonly known, were a fixture in Western towns and cities. Uh, uh, uh. There's not enough women to go around. Almost without exception, Pioneer mining camps, boom towns, and whistle stops became home to at least one or two prostitutes, if not a roaring red light district. 
Had to get it off. 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 So this is some six of Dawson City's good time girl or prostitutes posing for a photograph in Dawson, Yukon. Now, let me show you what was popping in other parts of the world, country, whatever. Let's get into that. Let's share this tab. Let's share this tab. All right. Now, you've heard of this lady, right? The hot and tot sister. Yeah, hit me up. Let me know. Hit a one in the chat if you heard of the hot and tot sister. All right. Let's see. This is an article, theconversation.com. How Sarah Bartman's hips went from a symbol of exploitation to a source of empowerment for black women. Now, this is the sister they stole from South Africa. They had never seen a butt so big. So they literally stole her off the streets, brought her to Europe, and um, put her on display in a zoo. I read that she ended up dying, like, you know, because, you know, they didn't keep her clean, you know what I mean? They kept her like an animal and shit. Let's see. Her name was Sartney Sarah Bartman. They said she was an international sensation of objectification. She was paraded around Europe where spectators jeered at her large buttocks. Look at that. Bartman, a Glossian woman from South Africa, left her native land in the early 1800s for Europe. It's unclear whether she went willingly or was forced to do so. Come on now. Showmen exhibit her through throughout Europe where in an embarrassing and dehumanizing spectacle, she was forced to sing and dance before crowds of white onlookers. Often naked in these exhibitions, Bartman was sometimes suspended in a cage on stage while being poked, prodded, and groped. Her body was characterized as grotesque, lascivious, and obscene because of her protruding buttocks which was due to a condition called steatopisia that occurs naturally among people in arid parts of Southern Africa. It could have just kept her and, you know, left her in her fucking homeland. You know what I'm saying? They could have just left her where she was. Then they wouldn't have to, you know, deal with uh, her ass being too big. You dig? Okay. Well, anyway, let's keep going. <clears throat> she also had an elongated labia, a physical feature derogatorily referred to as a hot and tight apron. Okay, for those, do y'all know what the labia is, y'all? Okay, so on the vagina, you know, the lips. It says she had long lips. That is an African trait. That's an African trait of black women is to have a long labia. Okay. And they fucking called it the hot and tight April. So that means they was all up in her fucking vagina. Oh, I'm just so annoyed with these people. I swear to God. Look at this. Bartman had a naturally occurring condition called steatopisia. I'm going to say it's that. Both became symbolic markers of racial difference. And many other women from this part of Africa were trafficked to Europe for white entertainment. Because they diverged so dr drastically from dominant ideas of white feminine beauty, Bartman's features were exoticized. Her voluptuous and curvaceous body, mocked and shamed in the West, was also described in advertisements as the most correct and perfect specimen of her race. 
Of course, black women's bodies vary. There is no monolithic nor ideal type. Lord knows I ain't got no big booty. Okay. It might be a little square around. It's square and kind of big, but it's not round. I don't know. Whatever. No, I don't even care. It's, you know, it's, you know what it is for us for cushion. Okay. It's supposed to cushion your ass. It ain't supposed to be about, you know, how big it is so you can smack your hips against it. You know what I mean? I mean, that's fun. <laughs> oh, it's fun. But it's not about just that. It's <laughs> but anyways, hey, look, did y'all know that the you know how you saw those dresses from the 1800s? Let me show y'all these dresses. Dresses from the 1800s with big caboose, whatever it's called. Let me show y'all some dresses from that time, man. They made dresses to shape like the hot and tots ass. Did y'all know that? Let me show y'all these pictures. Where's the dresses? Boom, here we go. They wanted it to look like the hot and top Venus. Did y'all know that? Did y'all know that was what the fucking point of them big ass balloon dresses was? It was to look like the hot and tots ass. Big butts of the 19th century. Yup, yup. And the bigger it was in the back, the more expensive the dress. Ain't that some shit? Mm-hmm. They even call it the bustle. Do the bustle. But y'all see that though. Put a one in the box in the chat, y'all. If y'all see see this dress, they clowned the lady, they poked and prodded her and all that shit. And then they they made dresses with her exact buttock design. And you know y'all seen this in a thousand movies and y'all did not know that. I'm pretty sure y'all did not know that. Yeah, that was the point. Mm-hmm. They've been obsessed with our ass. They've been obsessed, okay? Let's see. You are my radio. Oh, tech. Oh, thank you. 6.30 a.m. in London, making breakfast for my son before school. You are my radio. Thank you for the history lesson. Yeah, You know what? That's why I love podcasts. I am a podcast junkie, my damn self. <laughs> so that's, you know, and I love history. I love social studies. I'm not a social studies teacher. I wish I was. I am an English teacher. I always want history jobs, but they don't never give me history jobs. They always say they need uh, English teachers. I'm, I give thanks though, but I always incorporate, I always incorporate history in my English lessons anyway. Okay. All right. Well, let's keep going. Let's I'm, 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 I'm getting to these points here. All right. So brothels, here we go. So brothels of antebellum New Orleans. All right. So there was this really good book written by this, uh, researcher named Judith Judith Keller Schaefer. She went to, she's a professor at Tulane University and she wrote a book on the brothel history of antebellum New Orleans. Antebellum is the word, the fancy word for before slavery ended. <laughs> they call it the antebellum. Think of the Latin word ante, right? Means before. Let's look at that word. Ante means before. Bellum means, you know, slavery or ended, whatever. So antebellum. All right. <laughs> all right. So let's keep going. Let's go. 
So she got a bunch of court records and newspaper clippings. Uh, it's called Brothels. She wrote something called Brothels, Depravity, and Abandoned Women, Illegal Sex in Antebellum, New Orleans. <clears throat> Many of these women were tough cookies. You know what? I need some water. I hope you don't mind if I take a water break real quick. Not a water. I got to drink some water, man. I've been talking and reading a lot, and I love it. Ugh, how do I open this water thing? Ugh. What's your, how y'all doing today? I love that you hit me up from England. I'm so honored and thankful. I really appreciate that. Ugh. I hope other folks listen to me in England. You know, they say a lot. Some folks are starting to really listen to me in Germany. In India and... Um, uh, uh, uh. What? Where was it? Germany? Russia? Yeah. Okay, so there you go. Many of these women were tough cookies, says Schaefer. One prostitute, Bridget Fury, a.k.a. Delia Swift, had escaped from an Ohio penitentiary where she had been incarcerated for manslaughter. The governor of Ohio never tried to extradite her, so she stayed in New Orleans. <laughs> so... Okay, here we go. The records show that Swift, that's the prostitute, was arrested for stabbing a number of men during her career and finally was convicted of killing one of them. She was supposed to go to the penitentiary, but so was so popular among politicians that they got her pardoned after a year or two. And so it went. The city was just wild and wide open. And that's the main premise I get about New Orleans, y'all. Uh, and I mentioned New Orleans because <clears throat> New Orleans is the portal of the South, you know. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Tekas, Tekas Don 888LM. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, yeah, but yeah, pimping. Did y'all ever wonder where pimping came from? Hold up, I need some water. You know what? While I'm drinking some water, I'm going to play a song. I'm going to play a song, y'all. And I'm going to play, I think I'm going to play Video Ho just for this. <laughs> Video Ho by Watts 1965. That is me. That is my song. And they always make it hard to find, I swear to God. Let me just put in vows. The name of the album is called Vows, Victims of White Supremacy. And usually I can't find my songs unless I click that in. Here we go. So Vows. Let me click share this tab. All right. So this is the album cover. It's called Vows. It, I brought it out in 2008. Shout out Meege. Shout out Lennox. Those are the two producers that work with me on the album. It says Watts 1965. That's my rap name for this particular album. And then Vows, Victims of White Supremacy. And I'm going to play Video Ho. And, uh, you know, listen to the lyrics. I'm a lyric head. I like lyrics. I have um, Tommy Coe's show, but I also have Tomiko X, you know, uh, Tomiko Watts, you know, if you want to, you know, have access to me on here through the music. So let me find Video Ho. Uh, here we go. It's the whole album right here. All right. 
video ho i made it a little vulgar on purpose and i know songs are not long anymore i thought i was the first to start doing two minute songs but i see everybody's doing two minute songs now but this song isn't two minutes it's four minutes it's old school <laughs> but i'm gonna play it because i think it's pretty cool Dances. They felt guilty for feeling desires based on their backward religious philosophy. 
the African slave era exploited our sexuality, making bucks and witches of us and having us angry at each other for brothers not protecting us and sisters for fear of our men getting hunger shot. So they get the biggest kick when they see brothers bucking and cooning and sisters half naked doing our fertility dances to syncopated rhythms all the world over. Strangers are turned on by what were originally sacred dances. But in the context of what we live under right now, the dancers and women are being exploited and the young brothers and sisters don't know what the dances mean, where they come from or how we naturally instinctively know how to do them. We need to teach our children the beauty of the booty dance and keep family dances Info and gifts for our family only until... You know, it's crazy. I wrote that. I did that goddamn song in 2003. 2003, y'all. I didn't bring the album out to like 2006. And it's still more relevant even today. Which is sad. <laughs> that means there's no progress. Thank you, sis. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think you're sis. I don't know. Um, okay, let's keep going on with the lessons. I, I got me some water. Let's keep going. All right, let's keep going. Thank you, guys and ladies and gents who's out here hanging out with me tonight. Let's deal with this octoroon balls. Octoroon balls. Now, <clears throat> some people, historians, try to act like octoroon balls didn't really exist, but they did. Everybody knows about them who grew up or who has relatives who lived in New Orleans. So here's even portraits, okay? So quadroon balls. Quadroon balls. That sounds nasty, don't it? <laughs> and plissage. Remember what we said a plissage was. Plissage is when men from other countries would come to New Orleans and they didn't bring women. They would go and have authority to have these second wives or placeholders or fake wives or whatever you want to call them. But they had legal rights. And if they were, you know, enslaved, they were given freedom. And if sometimes the free slave uh, women would go and buy their relatives, they would say they were, were slaves, but they were really just buying their family and just having their family live with them. But just for, you know, for the government, they would be like, yeah, they are slaves, but you know, it'd be like their cousin, you know, auntie, brother, sister, grandmother, whatever. <clears throat> but because they had a white slave master, well, not even master, their husband, and they would have children with them, they were given rights. They were like third class citizens is what the article I read just said. All right. So these are images. So anyway, um, they're claiming it's a myth. But Passage is defined historically as where a white man would basically have a relationship with a free woman of color where she would be kept so that he would provide her with a house and some form of income so that she could maintain a lifestyle. Common law marriage. They call it left-hand marriage. Now they're claiming there wasn't no balls. Now look at these pictures. Okay, so these are the, what the, uh, you know, mixed girls look like. Have You know what mixed girls look like. I Dominican, right? Cardi B and all them. They still love that color. They love that. They love that little, little red, little color, you know what I'm saying? To this day, like they pick that. And then what really annoys me though is, I mean, that is a form of beauty, of course, right? That's one form of beauty, but you ain't got to knock the other beauty. 
You know what I'm saying? And let me tell y'all something. I said this before on my other uh, podcast, but I'm going to say it today. Um, you know, I'm, I don't consider myself light-skinned or mixed-looking or none of that, right? And not me, but some people might, whatever. But when I was on music video sets, I personally noticed that um, the women on set that were chosen were either very mixed looking or very dark. Like if you notice the models in Europe, they're very dark. Like they're African directly from the continent. You know what I mean? And uh, um, <clears throat> it's just always been that, you know what I mean? So that whole, they prefer light skin. That's maybe some people, but a, a lot of people prefer a darker skin sister too. Ain't nobody slacking. All right. As you notice, most of the world is mixed. Somebody humping a somebody. All right. So these are just some images of these balls, the octoroom balls that they said never existed. <laughs> Everybody knows they existed. Knock it off. So at these parties, okay, these men would come and they would just, all these fine, super fine chicks would just be at the parties. It's just like industry parties, basically. <laughs> I, would, I would equate them to music industry parties. All right. Where all the mixed girl, all the exoticals, you know, as they called them, that the rich brothers end up marrying the white chicks or the Latin chicks or the the mixed chicks. You know, they're called exoticals. And they say when you divorce them, you got to pay the exotical ta tax. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. No. What's that dude from um, that obnoxious little chocolate boy from Watts? What's his name? From Baby Boy. Yeah, they said he had to pay an exotical tax when his wife uh, divorced his ass. Octoroon. They did a movie called Octoroon. But that's a classic example of that look. You know that look, y'all. They say half of Oakland and half of London looks like this. <laughs> half of Oakland, half of London, you know. And that's just, you know, it's just one, one look, but that's the look over in this part of the world. And then in other parts, they like, they like what they like, man, whatever, who cares? It was all oppression to me. Shit. These motherfuckers was oppressive. Speaking of oppressive, let's read about some, where did pimping come from? Anybody ever wonder where that shit come from? Pimping. Yes, pimping, pimping. Remember they tried to make that popular uh, in the 90s? I have been in so many music videos <clears throat> where they had uh, that 70s pimp thing bullshit, you know? And I was like, that shit wasn't cool. Like, I never thought it was cool. I don't know who, I always thought it was some older person who must have thought that that 70s fashion and that whole pimping shit was cool because I always thought it was corny it was the 90s why couldn't we be in 90s fashion you know it was like somebody was trying to counter our medallions and our african clothes you feel me it damn near felt mm, should i say uh, uh purposely done you know what i'm saying to distract us from our consciousness because we was on some conscious shit in the early 90s our music was popping and even if it wasn't just like on some blackity black it was fun it was you know uh too legit to quit. Corny ass shit. We called it corny, but we all danced to it. Too legit to quit. Quit playing. Hey, we did. Okay. Uh, I want to rock right now. It was fun. You know what I'm saying? 
Uh, and if it wasn't fun, it was conscious, right? Then the gangster shit popped off. And, you know, East Coast gangster shit, to me, was still jazzier than West Coast um, gangster rap. West Coast gangster rap used a lot of funk. And at the time, I didn't really appreciate the funky worm like that. Dr. Dre put that shit in everything. And did Dr. DJ Quick, too, and uh, Battle Cat, they was like the funky worm kings, okay? And I like that sound, but I wasn't really feeling it. Like, it was just overdone. You know what I'm saying? Do y'all know what I'm talking about, that funky worm? Anyway, um, it was a lot. And I liked it, but it was just a lot. I'm in that video with Snoop, by the way. It's a doggy dog world. I should y'all give y'all the exact moment, minute, and second. Let me see if I can look it up. I can't play it or they'll copyright me. Let's see if I can show dog. Doggy dog world. It was so much fun on that set. But, you know, they were so cheap. They didn't want to feed us right. They Somebody brought a huge-ass pot of spaghetti. I just thought that was tacky as hell. Bring me some big ass. This is a professional gig. You know what I'm saying? You're going to bring a big ass spot. I think his mama made that shit. I was not appreciating that. <laughs> Look, you be on sets for a long time. You be on straight, like, you be on sets for, like, 12 to 15 hours. Okay? And you be, like, relying on whatever they feeding you. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, when you're hungry, you don't be messing around. You be wanting to eat. And if it's nasty, that means you got to just deal with that shit till you get home. So I felt pissed off about that shit. Like, it was not delicious. <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to show you. I'm trying to uh, find the part I'm in so I don't have to play the whole video. Because I do this little twirl. And y'all will know it's me when I'll be like, I'm at three minutes and 36 seconds. Uh, I don't want to waste y'all time. I'll just look it up later. But I was there, and it was fun. And that's the night I met Warren G, officially. And the twins, and <clears throat> Warren G gave me a ride. Me and the twins a ride home. And we became cool homies for a moment in time. You know what I'm saying? No romantic. I mean, he used to call me Tata. I'll say that. He called me Tata. Hey. Because I had big old Tatas. But uh, we ain't never do nothing, you know. My, I had an ego back then. Like, I was like, I am not messing with you. And you're about to be super famous. And then you could be like, yeah, I hit that. Uh-uh. I didn't want no famous artist to be able to say they had sex with me. Because I wanted to be like, you know, like... I didn't want to be a groupie. I didn't want to be a hoe. Like, I just wanted them to respect me. And I knew that if I slept with him, he would be able to. I just didn't want to feel like that, <laughs> if that makes sense. I don't know. But we were cool. And But, you know, I taught him some stuff. And he was very generous to my family. And when I say taught him some stuff, let me explain. He had never heard of Minnie Ripperton. <clears throat> so I had played him some Tribe Called Quest. Um, you remember Tribe Called Quest in like 94, 90, it was 94. They had that um, Midnight Marauder, incredible ass album. So I played, we just hung out. He like would come visit me and um, I played a Midnight Marauder and played him some Mini Ripperton and, you know, 
That was dope. Like my mother had a car accident and my little brother was in a coma. Yeah, and, and Warren would take me to go visit my, my brother in the hospital, man. That was really dope. He didn't even know me like that, but he knew me enough to be like kind. He was very kind. I would say that about Warren G. He was a kind person. You ever meet him, you will learn that. He, he you'll see he is a, he's a kind tone, you know, very personable person. All right, moving on. Top 10 intriguing bizarre facts about it's pan 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 pan. Let's see what it says. First appearing in English in 1607, the word pimp is thought to have stemmed from the French infinitive pimper, meaning to dress up elegantly. These days, however, the term has taken on a whole new disgraceful meaning. Nevertheless, such a vile line of work has had its share of colorful moments in history. This is coming from listverse.com slash 2021 slash 05 slash 25 top and intriguingly bizarre facts about pimps. <sighs> Nevertheless, let's see. From the days of Caligula to the 21st century, the following top following 10 explores the obscene underworld of a profession that has been both vilified and revered, depending on the party for centuries and perhaps centuries to come. Caligula. Hmm. So Caligula was this nasty uh, emperor. He was disgusting. They actually did a porno called um, Caligula. Uh, I, I never wanted to see it ever in my life. I never heard of it. But me and Cobra Red, shout out Cobra, my homegirl. We went to go visit <laughs> Abstract Rude, the homie. Shout out ATU. And he put his movie on called Caligula, man. And it was the most vile, disgusting movie I ever seen in my life. I promise you I had flashbacks for two weeks. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to, I didn't know all that I saw I was going to see. He was disgusting, but he was a big pimp, big pimp, player's ball. Let's see what they say. Every year, hundreds of pimps dressed in ugly clothes. I keep it moving. I don't care. They dress ugly. Who thinks that shit's dope? Ownership. Let's see. Chivalry of pimps is so endearing that it boggles the mind. Why any girl would want out? Case in point, pimps tend to demonstrate their, quote, love by physically marking tattoos their property to demonstrate ownership. What? I call it my war wounds, stated one woman who has her John's name tattooed across her chest. I got it when I was 14 years old and he was one of my pimps. Moving on. Number seven, Castile regulations. I don't care. Let's keep going. Number six, online independence. According to records from the Justice Department, arrests for prostitution from 1990 to 2011 dropped nearly 50% in the U.S. The reason for the decline is all thanks to the Internet allowing tech-savvy escorts to bypass their Mac daddies. Such practices are not a laughing matter to a pimp and, frankly, quite sobering. Though still illegal as any other form of prostitution, police in general are less inclined to conduct costly operations for one individual as opposed to a street roundup. The internet is also inviting for the ladies of the night due to claims that they, quote, tend to engage in safer sex practices. And, oh, I don't care. 
That's not a good article. I don't care enough about that. Let's keep moving. <laughs> Let's keep moving. Let's see what is this. Nope, we're done with that. Splish, splash, splash. Oh, we got some video footage we might can play. Let's check this out. Oh, let's see what you say. The 90s, Tech is done, 88LM. Sorry, I know I messed that all up. The 90s was a weird time with music and the industries in control. I loved Ed Prez, but they were not allowed to be aired. What? Oh, man, I missed them yesterday. They were, or Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, they were in town in LA. Well, Adelanto, which is like a suburb outside of LA. All the homies went. I just did not feel like going. I didn't feel like going. Everybody and their mama was there too. But something was telling me not to go. And when something tells you not to go, you got to not go. You feel me? And if I felt like, and I had just came from LA that past weekend too. But I just, I just didn't feel like going. I don't know, but I wish I kind of would have gone. I would have liked to have hung out with some people, but I didn't feel like driving three, three hours there and three. But such marriages were against the law. Oh, you're, you're correct. Chris of a Creole. History of the Quadrant Ball. This is from History of the Quadrant Ball, the Dark Warrior Perspective. The Quadrant Ball was a small social event designed to encourage mixed race women to form unions with wealthy white men through a system of concubines known as placage. It took place in New Orleans, Louisiana. This particular event can be traced back to the French colony of Saint-Dominique. The French would carry the tradition of prostitution for women of color. The mulatto courtesans, or women of color, would meet their clients in the ball, set up as a mistress, and often profit from the union if the client dies or leave the country. Unfortunately, the women of color were entertainment for wealthy white men and was never to be married. The women were sophisticated and highly educated, but these circumstances made it difficult to find a Negro man of their status. People of color dates back as far as 1796, referred to as light-skinned people of mixed African and European heritage. French colonists used the term Gen Z color, referring to people of mixed African and European descent who were free from slavery in America. Children who were born of the first generation of Placlage were called mulattoes. The second generation are called quadrons, the octoroons, and so on. This process would rid the Negro blood to create what we call a Creole of color, speaking French, French names, and would create their own customs. During the first half of the 19th century, the quadrooms were displayed in these balls, which took place on the streets as St. Philippe. At the ballroom named South St. Philippe Street, it was connected to the old Orleans Theater and Opera House. The quadroom mistress had their quadroom friends in amusement, and of course, the quadroom balls, but they could not mix with white women, and they could not sit with them, nor could they ride carriages in the streets. Quadrant men were never allowed in either of these events. And my daughter, Carl. 
The mother would negotiate with an admirer and later be compensated, including financial payment, housing arrangements, and paternal recognition of any children. Once the white man decided to get married to a European woman, he would just simply break off the arrangement. In a nutshell, the women of color attended these dances hoping to form a placage relationship with the with eligible white men. In 1817, John David built the Orleans Ballroom, the oldest, most historical ballroom in New Orleans. Both the whites and the Negroes call us mules. Neither race, n'est-ce pas? In the Crisis magazine, created by W.E.B. Du Bois, the quadroom is mentioned, and even a song was written about the event. with an admirer and later be compensated including financial payment, housing arrangements, and paternal recognition of any children. Once the white man decided to get married to a European woman, he would just simply break off the arrangement. In a nutshell, the women of color attended these dances hoping for permanent family values All right, <clears throat> I'm still getting to the bigger point of this sexual exploitation, but this is an analysis. And when you're doing an analysis, you have to hit all points and parts and partials. So uh, back to the pimping real quick. <clears throat> Basically, pimping was arranged, uh, you know, in these balls. Like they would have like their family member or some respected person do the connection, all right? They had madams and shit, but at, you know, a lot of times some chicks, you know, they just had a man, could have been their boyfriend even, who would just pimp them out to get them a rich little latch key who would be, you know, feeding them and stuff like that. You know, it was all about the money. So a lot of these women have a history, a cultural history of using their beauty for whoredom. Okay. They're using their beauty to make money. I won't say whoredom. That's disrespectful kind of. Um, but that's what it was. I mean, that's what it was. Uh, there were different levels. If you notice, see the ballroom stuff, they're getting a man. The man's going to take care of them, build a family. Then there's the ones who do the one-hitter quitter. Then you notice I also showed you the types that would go to the camps. Those were white women. They were also Native American and black women, too, uh, going to the camps out west. There was different levels, right? How does that relate? It's all exploitation. And it still emits a nasty stench on today. Okay. And I'm still about to be playing y'all some stuff. So hold on. Let me get this next shit popping. And then, but I'm going to bring it, I'm bringing it full circle a whole bunch. Here we go. We did that one, top 10. We did that. Okay. Let's do this one. Let's see about this. This is how torture. For hundreds of years. 
customs, uh, styles, uh, patterns. House twerking started in America. Right. Doing it in Africa for hundreds All of right. years. Mapuka is a traditional dance that those in the States call Turk, Turk, Turk. Turking is an American dance that has been popular for decades in hip hop culture. From inception, Mapuka was usually carried out when some religious or, or other grand ceremony it. It originated southeast of the Ivory Coast in Dabu. This dance is often referred to as the forbidden dance and has been banned in some countries. Stepping plays a huge role in the Black college fraternity and sorority culture. Gumboot dancing comes from South African gold miners who are oppressed under apartheid laws. The miners were separated from their families and forced to work in harsh conditions. The workers couldn't even speak to one another while working together months at a time. The mines were extremely dark and often flooded. Because so many workers were getting sick from the flooding, the supervisors decided to buy them rubber boots. To communicate with one another, they made rhythms and beats with their bodies, gumboots, and chains. Gumboot dancing soon spread outside of the gold mines and into the community for entertainment. As the dance became popular, mine owners took the dancers and formed dance troops to represent and promote their company. Most of the performances were done in the dancers' own language, which allowed them to really express how they felt about the work conditions and employers while mocking them in their faces. It was a way for them to gain some of their power back. Today, gumbo dancing has morphed into stepping, which was created by African-American college students. Here are more dances that African-Americans have done in the States that are done in Africa. We cousins. Crumping is a popular dance style originating in California. These powerful movements can be linked to the war dances performed by Zulu warriors. Some Africans become upset when African-Americans are credited with creating things that originated in Africa. Many things are innate for African-Americans and it just comes out naturally. Most of the time, African-Americans have no clue because our history was stripped when Europeans forced us into slavery. Without oral histories and being properly educated in schools, many African-Americans never received their African history. If you are African, take the time to educate your African-American brothers and sisters instead of becoming angry. Okay, okay. I, I, you know I don't like that language, but I do like her information, so I, I appreciate it. We don't use African-American, that's Bogus Gossett Jr. And no, we did not come over in no slave trade. I think I've shown you resource and information on that. Uh, we did not, unless you came from the Caribbean islands and even that's still sus. Okay, Tech has done 888LM. I believe that the boule black hidden came through the root of these balls and connections. Uh, you know, there's derivatives. You know, I have friends and family members that are in different parts of them things. And, you know, I, I've seen some some of those. The, there's different kinds. There's debutante balls. You know, there's, uh, you know, uh, like college balls and like just Jack and Jill stuff. You know, there's there's a lot of different levels of different organizations that Black people are involved in, depending on your culture, your class what part of the country you're in, you know, and, and, you know, that's all I really know on that. I mean, we could get into that another day, you know what I'm saying? But not right now. All right. So what's this one? What is this one? The twerking thing. Uh, we're, I think I'm good on that. 
think I'm saying enough about that. Basically, it was a, it was a dance, like you know, um, like when the brothers was gonna go off to war, or they was going, you know, to go do whatever the brothers do. The chicks would do the booty shake. You'd be like, "Remember what you're coming back to, boy." That's what the point of the dance was. We made the mistake, as usual, showing outsiders what we do. And, you know, they had never seen nothing so hypnotizing or amazing in their life. So they made us feel shame about it, you know. And they were, like, super Protestant, remember the type of... It's it's really interesting, the stereotype, because the type of white folk that... There were different types of white folk at different time that came. Um, <clears throat> the Puritans, you know... These were people who were the, the, the derivatives of the killers that they sent over here. You know, remember the 13 colonies was a penal colony, just like Australia. It was not a country. It was a place they sent criminals and prisoners that they did not want in England anymore. King such and such. You can look up whoever was king around 1600s. Actually, it was Queen Elizabeth, and then it was King somebody else. I can't remember. But... <clears throat> He was like, I don't want no more criminals and rapists and killers over here. Send them on boats. Make them navigate and find new land. So he sent them. And he didn't even know if they was going to make it. Okay. And they did get lost because they wasn't pirates. You know, they wasn't sailors. They was criminals. So by the time they got to the foot, they set their foot on the land over here. They was like, wow. They were starving. They were hungry. It was men. It was just men. They got off the boats. And they had guns, you know what I'm saying? But they, they didn't really, they was just hungry. And, you know, the people came to help them and stuff, the, us, our people. And, you know, went to help them. And then when they, after we fed them and helped them survive, you know, they was like, you know what, we need this land. And they was like, y'all got to get out the way. Pow, pow, pow. And it's been popping ever since, you know what I mean? Well, let's keep going. Here, let me show you this. I really wanted to show you guys just another example of just stereotypes. Just stereotypes. A history of black stereotypes on screen. Let's just check this out for a few minutes. See what y'all think. Slavery's defenders used these depictions to argue that the institution couldn't be amoral because black people enjoyed serving white families. I don't know why we leaving Mouse's house. He been good to us. Hardworking and loyal, the mammy figure was painted as deeply devoted to her white family. How am I going to take care of you and Miss Jessie if I ain't here? How's your cook and I want to stay your cook. In The Birth of a Nation, D.W. Griffith's 1915 white supremacist film, which is largely credited for the 20th century resurgence of the KKK, the Mammy character, played by a white actor in blackface, defends her master's home from Union soldiers, suggesting that she's so committed to serving that she would risk her life rather than seek freedom. Proponents of slavery used the Mammy to suggest that, far from being abused, black women were beloved and willing surrogate mothers to the families they served. Lots of carries coming. Praise the Lord. But historians have found little evidence to substantiate the idea that enslaved black women were even commonly working in the home, as the mammy trope suggests. Just hold on and suck in. Due to the high price of slave labor, all but the wealthiest families generally limited their slaves to field work. Those slaves who were assigned to housework were likely to be light-skinned, skinny, and quite young, 
in contrast to the on-screen Mammy, who was almost exclusively portrayed as dark-skinned, older, and heavyset. Who spends most of her time in the kitchen, but never seems to know what's cooking. Aggressively desexualizing the Mammy helped to conceal the fact that many house slaves, especially women, were frequently sexually abused by their white masters. Nevertheless, the Mammy figure persisted on film and TV throughout the 20th century. In 1934's Imitation of Life, Louise Beaver's Delilah refuses her boss's offer to pay her for her pancake recipe, insisting that she would be happier to continue to work for and live with her. My own house? You gonna send me away, Miss B? I can't live with you? Oh, honey child, please don't send me away. In 1940, Hattie McDaniel became the first black woman to win an Oscar for acting for her role as a character named Mammy in Gone with the Wind. Oh, now, Miss Scarlett, you come on and be good and eat just little. Over the years, more films and shows have explored the problems and emotional plights of black women who continued after the end of slavery to raise white children as domestic workers. Someone has to look after those children. Really? And where are your kids? Are they all doctors and lawyers? But even modern films that are sympathetic to black rights can still perpetuate aspects of the mammy trope in their characters. While the maids of the help are shown to be unhappy serving white families, they still come across as noble servants, mainly celebrated for their selflessness and kindness. You is kind, you is smart, you is important. Arguably, the modern trope of the black best friend, too, can be seen as the partial descendant of the Mammy, since this character's role is to constantly provide support and sometimes tough love to the white man character. Sometimes I wonder what it'd be like to go to lunch with my friends and have them ask me about my problem. Oh. The strong black woman trope, which we've discussed in a separate video, also portrays black women as using their apparently infinite strength primarily to help other frequently white characters. Celebrating black women for their selflessness and service the minute you started working here, she started getting better. Creates a bind where black women feel they are not allowed to be selfish or need help themselves. I think the superwoman syndrome is this suffering and silence. The male version of the faithful servant caricature was the docile, pious, and extremely subservient Uncle Tom. What does that mean, free the slaves? I don't know what it means myself. Ironically, this type originated from Harriet Beecher Stowe's extremely popular abolitionist novel, Uncle Tom's Cabin, in which the devout Tom nobly chooses to sacrifice his life rather than sell out other runaway slaves. I have made up my mind that I'm going to kill you unless you tell me what's happened to them. But Stowe's abolitionist message was lost in popular pro-slavery minstrel stage adaptations of her novel which morphed Uncle Tom into a degrading caricature so devoted to serving that he was more than willing to backstab other black people. Why did you cry? You scared me. Films also portrayed Uncle Tom characters as totally subservient. Put that big smile back on your face. Which one? This one? In 1935's The Littlest Rebel, Bill Bojangles Robinson, who later became famous for playing Uncle Tom characters, plays an enslaved man who protects his Confederate master from persecution during the Civil War. You know what? He was one of the first millionaires uh, in America, Bill Bojangles. He did a lot for South Central, for uh, the community of South Central. What's up, Trucker Boy Entertainment? Um, does anyone want to share any commentary? I'm going to put the link in the chat again. Nobody's been bold enough. 
you don't have to show your face. All you got to do is just click the link and click in and, you know, tell me something good. You have a few minutes to talk, a couple, three minutes max, maybe five. All right. It's there. Hopefully somebody will join in. Um, I like some black exploitation movies um, because they're entertainment. But, you know, a lot of people took that stuff to heart and they didn't know uh, truth from fiction. So a lot of people adopted those sick behaviors that they saw in the movies, you know, and that's the that's the trouble with that. Let me let me press play on this. There are rebel hiding in this house. No, sir. No, sir. My still nobody at all, sir. In movies like 1936's Showboat and 1943's Heaven Can Wait, Clarence Muse plays amiable black servants to white families. Boss! Boss! Got good news for you. The captain is out. Ain't that fine? Now you can have a few more cakes. Over the years, the Uncle Tom name evolved into a damning insult in the black community, describing black people who were subservient to white people at the expense of their own communities. Only an Uncle Tom would do this. They just looking for somebody to sell out. But films continued to feature descendants of this character who was happy to serve white people, treating the Tom as a so-called positive stereotype. It was my fight. No! It was my fight! Celebrated black actor Sidney Poitier played modern-day Toms in 1957's Edge of the City, where his character sacrifices his life to save a white man. It's me you really want, isn't it? And in A Patch of Blue, where his character befriends a blind white girl and helps her come into her own. Yeah, just as I thought. What? Now you're a very pretty girl. Pretty? Me? In the 1989 Academy Award winner for Best Picture, Driving Miss Daisy, Morgan Freeman's hope echoes the demeanor of the Toms of the past and his selfless service to Daisy. On the trolley? Why didn't let me carry you, Miss Daisy? One enduring trope that partially descends from the Tom is the magical Negro, a black character who possesses some special insight or magical seeming ability. My grandmother and I could hold conversations entirely without ever opening our mouths. She called it shiny. And who exists in the story solely to help the white protagonist on a journey of personal self-fulfillment. Well, you lost your swing. We got to go find it. The enduring popularity of these characters suggests that black men remain most palatable to white audiences when they are submissive, selfless, and always affable. Hey, you kids hungry? And puts pressure on black men to perform these qualities. Another historical legacy of Mammies and Toms is the enduring idea that black people, and especially black women, are only suited for domestic work. Miss? Another martini. Oh, hell no, I know she ain't talking to me. Actually, she doesn't work here. This conception, which severely limited black women's upward mobility after slavery, is also reinforced by the many American brands that feature mammies and toms on their packaging, and who, after decades of criticism, have finally vowed to change their imaging. A second category of black stereotypes were crafted to send the message that black people are generally unfit for society. What are their character traits? Ignorant. Uh. Dull-witted. Uh, lazy. Uh, and unlucky. Uh. <laughs> the Sambo caricature, essentially a slow-witted, happy slave, sent the message that Black people were childlike, lazy, and perpetually smiling. I thought of it all by myself. <laughs> well, you must be thinking better than you used to, James Henry. Yes, Mr. Kerr. 
I even think more often now. This caricature is at least as old as America, but was popularized by 19th century blackface minstrel theater performers with painted on smiles. Showtime. And it promoted the idea that black people liked being enslaved because they were simple-minded, perpetual children unable to care for themselves. You gonna put your shoes on? The coon caricature similarly ridiculed the idea that black people could successfully integrate as free members of American society. Like the Sambo, these coons, also called zip coons and urban coons, were depicted as lazy and unintelligent. Well, why don't you get a job and go to work? No, let me a job this morning. However, while the Sambo was content to be a slave, the coon wanted to be free. Minstrel shows and beyond derived their humor from mocking this aspiration as ludicrous, showing the coon trying and failing to assimilate into white society, speaking in malapropisms, dressing flamboyantly, and avoiding work at all costs. When the man said, boy, you give me a situation, you'd have to put me through a simple self examination. No, stupid. You mean a civil service examination. Stephen Fetchett, one of the first black actors to reach mainstream prominence, became synonymous with this caricature. His slow-talking mannerisms and exaggerated body movements othered his characters to an extent that made his performances almost grotesque. All right, you can't stay. I never told you now. Though this caricature has been largely condemned, its lasting legacy is evident in the volume of 20th century films and TV shows in which a black or black-coded character's slowness is played for laughs. Are you brainless? I spit! The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Misa called Jata Binks. Misa, your humble servant. It can be seen in classic Disney animations from Dumbo, whose crows are coded as black. They dead, is they? No. Dead people don't snow. Or do they? To the Jungle Book, whose King Louie, referencing Louis Armstrong, and his black-coated monkey followers are characterized as dirty, amoral, and uncivilized. Why, you flat-nosed, little-eyed, flaky creep. A disgraceful performance, associating with those undesirable scatterbrained apes. When Louis sings about wanting to be like a man. I want to be a man, man cub, and stroll right into town and be just like the other men. This can be read as expressing his desire to be white and therefore treated as human. An ape like me can learn to be human too. He wants to possess fire the secret army of man's red fire. A long-standing symbol of what elevates humans above animals, ever since the ancient Greek myth of Prometheus stealing it from the gods to give to mankind. But the other Jungle Book characters view Louis' goal of being human, i.e. white, as depraved and unrealistic. Fire. So that's what that scoundrel's after. And when Louis and his monkeys realize they won't get what they want, they quickly descend into brutish violence and destroy their own home in the jungle's ancient ruins which scholar Greg Metcalf reads as representing the slums in a scene that he sees as an allusion to the 1965 Watts riots. The coon caricature resulted in widespread stereotyping of black people as lazy, unintelligent tricksters, even influencing American social policy. From now on, our nation's answer to this great social challenge will no longer be a never-ending cycle of welfare. It will be the dignity, the power, and the ethic of work. In the 1980s and 90s, these negative caricatures evolved into the myth of the welfare queen, who would rather live off state money than work. 
Y'all stupid for going to work every day and paying taxes. <laughs> I let the government pay for all my and I live like a queen. A stereotype that can still be seen in modern entertainment. School ain't gonna help none. Take your ass down to the welfare. While the coon caricature led to black men being portrayed as lazy and unintelligent, black women tended to be characterized as domineering, sassy, and downright angry. Why does everyone just assume I'm angry all the time? It's called being sassy, Mr. Shu. The pervasive angry black woman stereotype is also known as the sapphire after the domineering character in Amos and Andy, the 1950s radio show voiced by mostly white actors, which became a TV show with an all black cast. Okay, first of all, did y'all know there was a TV show in the 1950s called Amos and Andy? Yeah, these are classics, trucker. And they actually are kind of entertaining. I mean, the writing was pretty good, <laughs> to be honest. Welfare queen to the trap queen. Yeah. You know, that's why they're called stereotypes. Anybody ever heard that term, sapphire? Put Click a one in the chat if you've heard of sapphire. I, I remember learning about that. It's the, boy, you better, the neck roll. The, uh, the thing that the brothers always say, she got an attitude, she got an attitude. That. Anyway, let's check this out. All rights reserved. Hold up. Let me, let me put, my little, put my little disclaimers up on here. Let's see. Bam. This video is for educational and informational purposes. Based on the Copyright Act of 1976. We are building over here. Let me tell you, I'm not getting monetized. If anybody would ever like to donate a buck, 99 cent to my cash app. That'd be cool. I noticed people do that on these podcasts. You know? Anyway. Uh, yeah, it's... What is it? Where is that? It's Tamiko Hawkins. At, it's, it's dollar sign Tamiko Hawkins. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. There it is. You are being entertained. You are learning some things. I believe so. It would be nice to donate. Let's check this out. It's about time you met some decent people instead of that horrible, uncouth group you associate with. This show depicted Sapphire as constantly scolding her lazy husband for being irresponsible and unemployed. The idea that black women are inherently sassy. Mm-hmm. Ma'am, this over-the-counter dapper cream is prohibited. Has much earlier roots in a subsection of the mammy trope known as the sassy mammy. This girl, where are you going without your show on the night air fix to set in? Popularized by actress Hattie McDaniel in films like Judge Priest, in addition to Gone with the Wind, the trope of the sassy housekeeper who still ultimately loves the family she serves was another way that the mammy was painted as part of the family, comfortable enough to give them a hard time. And versions of this sassy housekeeper type still live on today. I'm going to go in that laundry room and I'm going to get on my knees and pray <laughs> that that tequila I hid in the cabinet is still there. But in the 20th century, sassy mammies working in white homes evolved into characterizations of black wives and mothers who chastised their own families. Michael, get your feet off my damn couch before I slap the jam out of your toes. Like the coon caricature, the sapphire pathologizes any black woman who wants to exist outside of the white domestic structure by suggesting she's unfit for traditionally feminine duties like marriage or mothering her own children. 
Gina, how are you going to have a baby when you still taking care of one? The prevalence of these characterizations helps solidify enduring, damaging assumptions that black families are more likely to be broken or dysfunctional, defined by an absent black father and an overbearing black mother. I'm so mad at you, I could duck down your throat and stomp your liver. In more recent years, black women's perceived anger has shifted from being focused at their families to being directed at society. You owe me an apology. I have never cheated in my life. Today, the sapphire remains a fixture in reality TV. With Omarosa, it's either her way or it's no way. And the angry black woman trope has been weaponized against... Hold up. Hold up. I had to pause on that one. First of all, I met Omarosa. Oh, my God. She's so pretty. She's prettier in person than on TV. And number two, I just wanted to go back to something real quick. Hold up, hold up. What y'all saying? Dice alphabet? Oh, that's, no, that's my son. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's my son. No, mine is um, Tamiko Hawkins. Yeah, Tamiko, yeah. Hawkins, yeah. Thank you. Yay. That's that's my second one. I'm so happy. Thank you, True. I appreciate that. That's very cool. That is super cool. Now, look, this is recorded and it goes right now. It's live on Twitch and Facebook live and uh, on Tomiko's show. And um, it's on Twitch. Anybody ever go on Twitch? After I download it, I'm going to put it to all the podcasts so you can actually listen to this also. You can listen to this on iHeartRadio. Uh, what is it? It's, I think it was iTunes, but now it's called Apple Podcasts. I'm on Amazon Podcast. I am on Spotify. I am in all of those places. Deezer, Anchor.fm. Check us out. Or you can hit me up on Instagram. Give me a shout out. Listen, a lot of times people send me things, clips and stuff to post on the show. I do a Friday night show, um, usually when I'm not too tired, called Adult Content. And that's when we talk about stuff that we want to talk about, like grown-ups. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. That was so, thank you guys. That's really cool. And let me tell you, you send money over here, it goes directly to uh, snacks while I do the, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Okay, so look, that goes in. I'm segueing into my ASMR moment, which means when you listen to this, you will hear this. What y'all think I'm chewing? What am I crunching on, y'all? Mmm, you're so good. I'm smacking. Mmm. I'm smacking on some some Lay's chips, y'all. You ever eat the plain ones? They are so good. Anyway, back to the show. Against any black woman who dares to speak out against systemic oppression and injustice perpetrated against her, even being leveled at accomplished professional women like Michelle Obama. And Hold up. Why are they trying to say this sister is Michael? They wrong. Hold up. Let me go back. I went back too far. Hold up. 
options help solidify enduring, damaging assumptions that Black families are more likely to be broken or dysfunctional, defined by an absent Black father and an overbearing Black mother. I'm so mad at you, I could duck down your throat and stop your liver. In more recent years, Black women's perceived anger has shifted from being focused at their families to being directed at society. You owe me an apology. I have never cheated in my life. Today, the sapphire remains a fixture in reality TV. With Omarosa, it's either her way or it's no way. And the angry Black woman trope has been weaponized against any Black woman who dares to speak out against systemic oppression and injustice perpetrated against her, even being leveled at accomplished professionals. Somebody help me out. Why they always be trying to say this lady's a man? Huh? Somebody tell me. Why they be doing that? Chips. Yeah. No, I love corn chips, though. Oh, my God. Anybody ever do? Yes, yellow bag. Yep. That is it. True. I had some dip, but I overdid that. Corn chips, y'all. Y'all ever do it with the chili and the cheese? And put it in the bag, y'all. Like, just put the straight-up chili and cheese in the bag with the corn chips. Oh, my God. If you really want to be bougie, put some put some, put some some salsa up in there. But, yeah, why they be doing that? Is that just... I think that's disrespectful when they be saying that about the sister. I don't think she nowhere near no man. That's wrong. ...women like Michelle Obama and Serena Williams. I was called an angry black woman. Finally, a third category of pervasive stereotypes paints Black people as animalistic. Whereas the Mammy and the Tom caricatures were purposefully desexualized, certain caricatures portrayed Black people as wild or animalistic by hypersexualizing them. I know I'm not good enough for you, but let me have your precious white body just once. The Jezebel caricature portrays a black woman who is lascivious and insatiable by nature. Now, that's where we are now, even 50 years later. You know, this movie Coffee came out pretty much damn near 50 years ago. And this is where we are right now. You know what I mean? Hypersexualized. And they telling us that's woman empowerment. You know what I mean? Oh, it's not my, oh, it's about, okay. Thank you, Drea. Yeah, man, we're right back here. They'd love to go back to the 70s, and I can understand why. The 70s were a very fun time. I know I was only a little kid, but I remember 1976, y'all. I remember specifically 1976, I was four years old. I was four years old, and Saturday Night Fever came out that year. And I had told my mama and daddy that I had wanted to go see Saturday Night Fever. And they went to go see it without me. And I was so mad. <laughs> I also remember The Wiz. Y'all remember when The Wiz came out in the movies? And um, Uptown Saturday Night, I think that was Richard Pryor or something like that. I remember watching those things. Anyway, the whole vibe of America was kind of cool and chilling in 1976. I did that in jail. We called them burritos. Oh, damn. I'm eating gel, gel, gel style. Well, it's delicious. Okay, so I had another homie that went to like the county and he told me about this other hookup. I, I really do eat sometimes for a snack. It's cup of noodles 
you put you some cheese in there and some hot sauce. Man, that's a good ass snack. I guess that is a gel snack, but that shit bomb. All right. I'm told that you are a dangerous man, Arturo. I like that. It excites me. During slavery, this caricature was commonly utilized to justify the common sexual abuse of black women by white men. Queen feel she is. The Jezebel became popularized on screen in the 1970s during the rise of black exploitation movies. You'll be nice to them boys, won't you, if we're nice to you? And to this day, black women face a double standard that judges them as being too sexual, even when they make the same clothing choices that are accepted for white women. For black men, hypersexualization took the shape of the aggressive, amoral buck or brute caricature, also known as the Mandingo. Be my victim. To this day, it is not unusual for black male characters to be described as more virile. Anything is possible when your man smells like Old Spice and not a lady. Naturally strong or athletic. Going back to Birth of a Nation and 1933's King Kong, which can be read as a racist allegory about a black man stealing a white woman before she's rescued by heroic white men. We'll give him more than chains. He's always been king of his world, but we'll teach him fear. Movies have helped propagate the dangerous lie that hypersexual black men are a danger to white women. This myth has had devastating real-world consequences as it was used to justify the practice of lynching. It's my story. You attack me. And shoot down the 1922 anti-lynching bill in the U.S. Senate. The weaponizing of the animalistic brute and Jezebel caricatures against black people who are overrepresented as violent criminals and sex workers in the media. When I started working, me and my fellow actors, we were always drug dealers. We were mugging somebody. Has fueled long-standing assumptions that black communities must be over-policed and brutalized. You cannot deny we live in a world where people see a black man and they're more likely to think, oh, I might get robbed. So this ingrained misrepresentation has led directly to the systemic police brutality and abuses of power driving the 2020 global Black Lives Matter protests. There is an African-American man in Central Park. He is recording. Oh my God, do y'all remember that one? This chick in the park. Ooh, I was so mad. Ooh, I was like, ugh. But she got hers. People reported her, her job and stuff. She got lost her job. They even took the dog away from her, dude. That was crazy. But back to these noodles, though. Um, Yes. That's called a light chai chai or chi chi, like chi chi, just noodles and sauce. Yeah, man, that should be bomb though. I'm a simple girl. You know about it too? See, that's sad, but it's funny too. Hey, it's delicious though. <laughs> I didn't know nothing about it, I promise you. You know, I was thinking, man. So, okay, we doing that basically with, with we making our own little pseudo fa at the house. You know, the fashionable, trainable thing, cool thing right now is to eat Vietnamese food out here. And it's spelled P-H-O. I don't know if I'm saying it right. It looks like pho, but it's not pho. It's pho. Anyway, it's like these noodles and the, you put the meat in there and the vegetables and all that shit. So at home, man, I made some oxtails, right? Oh my God, it was falling off the bone. I'm sorry, vegetarians. I used to be vegetarian. I had to throw that out the window. Um, anyway, I made things. Oh, my God. I made some curry oxtails, y'all, in the crock pot. They were flame. Woo! And we cut up some green onions and some spinach and some, uh, uh, what else was that? Oh, I guess that was it. 
<laughs> it was so good. Oh my God, that was so good. Y'all got to try that. Y'all got to really try that. Some hot sauce was so good. Yeah. So, okay, back to this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess I'm hungry a little bit. Yeah, we killed those. We killed those oxtails today. I made gyro. I had some um, some little some little steak stuff, and chopped it up. And um, again, it was with the salsa and the cilantro, green onions, red onions, um, and we got some tzatziki sauce. You know that cucumber sauce. And I bought some pita bread, so I buttered those up in the pan. Oh my god, that was so good. And some lettuce. Woo. Chow and some hot sauce. You gotta do the you gotta put in the hot sauce. Like it don't matter what it is. It's like, but anyway, let's get back to this. Supporting me, threatening myself and my dog. Hi, my name is Robert Taylor, and I'm a black actor. Speaking of Hattie McDaniel's performance in Gone with the Wind, film historian <laughs> Donald Bogle said she's got a hostile edge, and there's something she's angry about. Of course, Gone with the Wind won't tell us that she's angry about having always to work for Ms. Scarlet. In the earliest mainstream films, the majority of Black characters were portrayed by white actors in blackface. But as Bogle argues, once Black performers got in front of the camera, they could bring their lived experiences and imply three-dimensionality in their characters beyond what was in the script. I knew that, you know, there were things they weren't telling me. I said, well, you know, where does Mammy live? Some performers, like McDaniel, have argued the negative effects of caricatures they've played were overshadowed by the positives, as their success opened doors for other Black actors and creators to go on to more complex roles. I sincerely hope I shall always be a credit to my race. Fetchett is quoted as saying, it was Step who elevated the Negro to the dignity of a Hollywood star. He was the first Black actor to earn a million dollars. The first Black actor to get an on-screen credit. Ultimately, though, this subversion was limited. McDaniel wasn't allowed to attend her movie's whites-only Atlanta premiere, had to sit at a like McDaniel, have argued the negative effects of caricatures they've played were overshadowed by the positives, as their success opened doors for other Black actors and creators to go on to more complex roles. I sincerely hope I shall always be a credit to my race. Fetchett is quoted as saying, it was Step who elevated the Negro to the dignity of a Hollywood star. He was the first Black actor to earn a million dollars. Okay, so let me just say two things. First, this is my homeboy. We was homeboy. This is my boy, Anthony Anderson. We went to Hollywood High together. Woo, woo, woo. We went to Hollywood High. He's like a year older than me, too. So hold on, what you saying? My Don loves some noodles, anything Japanese, Thai, and... Oh, your son. I'm assuming you mean son. <laughs> um, anything Japanese, Thai, and Chinese, chopsticks and all. I wouldn't be surprised if we bring some of Far Eastern girl. My son is into the chopsticks right now, too. He likes anything with the Korean noodles. He loves it right now. He's really into uh, Pokemon and Kamehameha and all of that. Okay. So it's, and he's learning Japanese also. We're like, he's like, mom, can you take us to Japanese? Now, you know what? I was like, sure, son. And when I talked to my cousin Libby, shout out Libby. Um, I could have sworn she said $500, but then, you know, that wasn't, she, I heard it wrong. It's $5,000 each. So, you know, I'm going to have to record some really dope music and God willing, inshallah, I shall be able to take us next year. That's a big goal. Oh my God. That's like 
five, ten, fifteen. That's like twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars. We'll see what happens. We'll see. You never know what'll happen in life. You never know. Ah, them noodles is bomb. We back on the noodles. Yeah, they they really it's called Chi Cheese. Okay. I didn't even know it had a name. I'm gonna probably have to make some when I do my uh podcast. But yeah, me and Anthony went to high school together. Um so look, after we finished high school, like when I was going to Cal State Long Beach, he had visited me a, a few times and he was very frustrated with himself, you know, as we artists tend to be. And he was like, I really want to pursue this acting thing. And he was just so miserable. And I was just like, you know, if that's really what you want to do, brother, you got to just do it. You got to just step out there and you got to just make that shit happen. And the next thing you know, he got the TV show that was on Saturday mornings. And then, boom, he was doing movies. And now I can't get a phone call back. You know what I'm saying? I want him to come on my podcast. All the kids are my kids. They taking me to this anime ramen spot in Philly. And I'll be so ready. <laughs> I know, right? Hey, but you know, I like the fact that they're exploring beyond, um, you know, mainstream so-called food. And, you know, you got to be careful with them top ramen joints because that's a lot of salt. That's a lot of sodium. With my kids, they don't even use the packet. Although I've heard drama about the noodles. You've seen those noodles go up in flames. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, they make their own sauce, y'all. My kids are like, oh, my God. They be making something with, like, brown sugar and, like, uh, soy sauce. And I don't even know what else they put up in it. But it be delicious. That's what I do be knowing. All right. And there was a second thing, but I don't remember. But yeah, Anthony Anderson, man, that's funny. And he blew up, man. Out of all the crew, he he blew up. Like he's the one out of our circle. Brandy went to Hollywood, but she she was like about four years younger than me. She's she she's not in our group. But Anthony blew up. And uh Lee Lisa Javi Jessup, she's like a noted um script writer or like script analyst. Like you pay her. Uh, uh, hourly wage and she'll go over your script and hook you up, maybe try to connect you to a, 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 a you know, like an agent or something. But Anthony, yeah, he he's the one out of our group that, that blew up. The first black actor to get an... He's always been funny, okay? Always. Like, as far as, as long as I've known Anthony Anderson, the brother always been a naturally funny-ass mother brother. You know, on screen credit. Ultimately, though, this subversion was limited. McDaniel wasn't allowed to attend her movie's whites only Atlanta premiere, had to sit at a segregated table at the Oscars, and was honored for a film that civil rights groups protested for romanticizing slavery. All I'm saying is that without Lincoln Perry paving the way, we might not have a Denzel. And all I'm saying is without stepping fetch it, I might be comfortable napping in front of white folk. Meanwhile, black playwrights and filmmakers have used satire to undermine popular stereotypical depictions and give audiences the tools to critically evaluate portrayals of black people on screen. Satire is the way if we are ever to live side by side in peace and harmony. Films like Spike Lee's Bamboozled and Robert Townsend's Hollywood Shuffle use satire to critique the processes in Hollywood that value caricature. Hold up. Oh, my God. Hold up. Have any of you ever seen Bamboozled? Oh, wait. Where y'all from? Hold up. I'm from Chicago. Y'all from Chicago? 
I'm originally from Chicago, and then we, I moved to L.A. when I was, like, 13. But I still claim Chicago because I have a Chicago accent. I don't have the city accent because, you know, that's more. I can't really do it. I wouldn't want to disrespect it. It's, it's, it's a specific type of accent I can't do. But I can do the suburban Chicago. I don't do the flat Chicago accent like that. You know, a lot of people in the suburbs talk like that. I don't do that. But I can because I live in Wisconsin, too. It's crazy. That's part of, like, a lot of the white people that live up there. They're from, like, you know, like, they're usually Nordic, like, from, like, Sweden or Germany or, you know, like, they're Polish. And they talk like that. And the black people that live around them talk like that, too. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody from Chi-Town out there? Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Bamboozle was my favorite. I must have seen it. I must have analyzed it at least. It's such a long movie, too. I must have seen it at least five or six times. Maybe more. Savion Glover killed that very underrated. Yes, he did. And you know when I went to go see it, black folks was walking out of the theater, man. Black folks was like walking out the theater and there was only about five of us in the whole theater. I could not believe it. They missed it. They didn't get it. And he was doing like a reality show style movie before reality shows was even really popping like that. Spike Lee has always been ahead of his time, man. Give honor and thanks to that brother. You know, Top Ramen is made of plastic. See, that's what I'm saying. I saw this video and it showed them going in flames or something like that. You know, a lot of our food coming to find out is made from plastic. They put like cellulose, you know, when you buy the cheese that's already shredded or whatever. And yes, we eat that. It's cellulose. Cellulose is a form of plastic is what they say. Oh, yeah. So what was the other movie? It was Bamboozle. And what was the other one? What do you say? Hold on. Let me, I got to press play. Hold on. White folk. Meanwhile, black playwrights and filmmakers have used satire to undermine popular stereotypical depictions and give audiences the tools to critically evaluate portrayals of black people on screen. Satire is the way if we are ever to live side by side in peace and harmony. Films like Spike Lee's Bamboozled and Robert Townsend's Hollywood Shuffle use that one. Ooh. Hollywood Shuffle is probably my all time favorite. Thank you, Treya. All time favorite movie. Oh my God. You bought it on DVD. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you know the dude that goes batty, batty, batty. Check it. I ended up working with him on. Uh, uh, okay, so Tom Joyner used to have this. Tom Joyner Morning Show used to have this um, fake soap opera called um, It's Your World. And Michael Collier, shout out this comedian, Michael Collier. He's the one that brought me to Burbank. And I met the Batty 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 guy. I think his name is Adam. I forget. But um, <laughs> what city y'all in? Yeah, it's sad. They are turning our bodies into dustbins. Um, anyway, he's the one that auditioned me, and I ended up working with him. Batty Batty Batty. So that was my story. But yeah, Hollywood Shuffle. Shout out Robert Townsend. Shy Town in the house. I love Robert Townsend. He's always been such a underrated perfectly wonderful oh philly what okay so i've been to philly one time guys okay i went actually to go to virginia i was working with these brothers clef dollars 
shout out Indita Bam, shout out, and Bear One, shout out in the DC area. So I took the plane to Virginia, but Clef and D Clef drove me to DC and we hung out with his boy Bear One. But before I did that, I went to Philly to go visit my one home girl. Man, Philly scared me, y'all. I couldn't believe. First of all, I have to be enough respect to Philly because it's one of the oldest cities in America, right? In America, it's one of the oldest cities. So with that, it's got a lot of old architecture. And at the time, I just, I couldn't believe how dank it was. I just didn't expect, I didn't know what, I guess I thought they would have treated Philly with more respect, you know, but it was not, it wasn't what I expected, if that makes any sense. It was really grimy. It was really, really grimy. And um, it, I, I more so expected Baltimore like that, but I didn't expect Philly to, you know, it's no distant. I'm pissing off everybody at BMO now. My bad, Baltimore. I love Baltimore people. They just hardcore. They hardcore and they live so rough. Ooh. But anyway, LA ain't no piece of cheese either. Let me just say that. But I'm in Las Vegas. So, but, and, and it is a piece of cheese out here. It's like the, they call it the Mississippi of the West, Las Vegas. And I see why. It's got this subtle racism to it. It's really a trip. But we'll talk about that in another moment. Satire to critique the processes in Hollywood that value caricatures over authentic Black storytelling. I, I need uh, a little more Black. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, stick your ass out, uh, bug the eyes. Works like George C. Wolfe's 1986 play, The Colored Museum, and Keenan Wayne's I'm Gonna Get You Sucker take historical caricatures to grotesque extremes in order to expose the dark messages that underlie them. We also ask that you please refrain from call and response singing between cabins, as that sort of thing can lead to rebellion. While 1996's Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood skewers the gangsta stereotypes of... Oh my God, hold up. <laughs> First of all, how many of y'all have seen that? <laughs> we the nation's first capital. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Vegas, man. Hey, but look, have y'all seen this movie? Let me tell you, when I first saw, first of all, one, two, three of the homies in the car are my homeboys. Not Big Perm. I don't know Big Perm, but the other three, they was my neighbors, y'all. They was friends with Marlon. And um, that's how I ended up meeting Marlon Wayans. They took me to the Marlon Wayans show or the Wayans Brothers show or whatever. Cause they were friends with the writers. They were friends with Marlon. They all went to like Howard and all that. So I was really, I really enjoyed hanging out with these good looking, smart, degreed brothers. You know what I mean? And, um, and talented. It was cool. Now, let me tell you, when I first saw Don't Go Drinking at Whatever Menace, I could not, I was like, what the fuck is this bullshit? But the second time when I smoked some weed and I watched this shit, I was crying on the floor of the theater laughing. So it just depends on whatever frequency or vibe you're in. You really got to be in a certain vibe to get into Wayne's Brothers movies because they be way off the fucking chain. You know what I'm saying? With the goofy shit. And I love it, but sometimes, I mean, you, you just got to be in the right mood. Y'all know what I'm saying. Of those 90s coming of age in the hood films. More recently, nuanced, realistic shows like Insecure and Dear White People utilize show within a show formats to highlight how one dimensional and ridiculous longstanding black stereotypes really are. I hate yes, Mr. President. Oh! I pledge allegiance to your 
In Jordan Peele's 2017 satirical horror movie, Get Out, the white characters baselessly hypersexualize the black male protagonist. Where's, where's Rose? Oh, you dirty dog. While the stereotypical black maid and groundskeeper are revealed to be literally controlled by white people, symbolically getting at how these one-dimensional characters are really white props. The Armitages are so good to us. Donald Glover's Atlanta explores how insidious many of these stereotypes remain through characters who were highly conscious of being perceived through the lens of caricatures like the Sapphire and the Deadbeat Father. Okay, so anybody watch Atlanta? I have not watched this show yet. Yeah, don't go drinking your juice in the hood, whatever. <laughs> hey, don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. <laughs> That is the whole title. Don't be a menace to South Central. Because, you know, they was bl bl blending all the uh, names of all the movies together. Boys in the Hood, Juice, South Central, Menace to Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of all of those movies, which one is y'all favorite? The menace to Society, Boys in the Hood, Juice. There was a TV show called South Central. I was on South Central with Lorenz Tate. Remember Lorenz Tate, y'all? He was in Minister Society. He played a really bad, he played that, he played that character too damn good. I was really like, cause you know, Lorenz is from Chicago too. We used to live in the same apartment building when we lived in Chicago. How fucking, what, what are the odds, right? And, but that's how it was. I named my son, you name your son Red Dames? Juice. Yeah, Juice is White Chicks. I just watched White Chicks recently, and you're right. It, it It's just a whole different vibe when you're high straight up. Straight. <laughs> White Chicks was funny, and they really did some good acting. Because, you look, let me tell you, I used to see Sean Wayans do stand-up back in the early 90s, and he was not funny at all, y'all. I'm not trying to diss the brother. I mean, clearly he's a success. And I just saw him at the Burbank airport. I took pictures just like paparazzi while I, <laughs> I was in the Burbank airport coming back from Netflix. Yes, darling. I'm officially Hollywood. Okay. So Netflix flew me out to Burbank from Las Vegas. It was like a 45 minute to an hour flight. And why was I at Netflix, you ask? Didn't nobody ask me, but I'm going to tell you. Um, <laughs> I, first of all, I didn't know Netflix was a real place. I th I don't know what I thought Netflix was, but I didn't know Netflix was like a real, like a real place, but it is. Oh, higher learning. Higher learning was a part of the parody of don't be a menace. I liked higher learning. I must've seen higher learning at least probably 12, 15 times. I ain't gonna lie. Maybe more than that. Boys in the Hood is your favorite. I love Boys in the Hood, and I've seen it a thousand times, but I get emotionally charged when I see what's name get shot. I get emotional. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. You want to name him Kane? <laughs> higher learning was a good one. Get higher. Get learning. Get higher learning. Remember that dude? Remember the poet in higher learning? Yeah, that was D-knowledge, D-knowledge. So I used to be around and I just, I'm, I don't mean to sound so I, I, I. I'm just sharing my experiences though. 
Dean Knowledge, um, he's a, he's a poet in in higher learning. He's Ice Cube's cousin. No, 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 he's not. He is. Um, what's the director of higher learning? What's his name? Rest in peace. He just died a couple years ago. Him, his cousin is the director. What's his name? The one that did Boys in the Hood and Baby Boy. What's his name? Uh, so he, um, the knowledge, I'm not going to tell that story right now. Juice was one of my favorites too. I can't even front. Juice was a hot ass mess because Tupac was really amazing in that movie. He really made you believe he was Bishop. And I was really mad at Tupac. I didn't even like Tupac after that damn movie. John Singleton, yep. Yeah, yeah, Tupac just played that goddamn character too well, okay? Like, I just, you know, I didn't like Tupac after Tupacalypse Now came out. I swear to you, I really just did not like Tupac. And I met him once on the set of Snoop's video. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Dog-eat-dog world. Snoop was there leaning on a motorcycle, and he, like, looked me up and down. And I guess I wasn't light enough or my hair wasn't straight enough or what I didn't look cute enough or whatever. And he like looked me up and down and he had like this weird expression on his face. So I gave him that same expression back. I guess I was acting like a sapphire or whatever. But uh, <laughs> Tretch was supposed to play Bishop. Oh uh, yeah, I could see Tretch playing Bishop. You know, I could see that. I mean, it, you know, it's not a stretch, but Tupac did make it his own. I ain't gonna lie. Tupac, man, and you know, uh, Groove Thing. Y'all remember that song? Well, it's a Groove Thing. We got a funky swing. That made me think of Tretch. Was Jeanne, remember Jeanne? I'm in that video. That was my, one, two, that was my second video ever. So my first video was, Pop pop goes the weasel, the weasel with um I forget them dudes from New York. I forget. Topak was too pretty. <laughs> yeah, Jane from Temple University. They from Philly. That's right. They were so cool. I think I'm friends with Renee on no Jean on uh, Instagram now. They were just really cool sisters. I bumped into them at the Beverly Center and I was just like, oh my God, I just saw y'all on the cover of Essence Magazine. <laughs> and they were like, we're doing a music video out here. You should come. So I came down to the, and the girl, Jean called me and told me where to come. And, and Tretch was there and Vinny and whoever else from OPP world. You down with OPP, you know them dudes. Um, you know, I, oh my God, I remember, Listen, I was so immature. Listen, when OPP first came out, you down with OPP? I was dating this boy named Robert. Shout out, Robert. And every time OPP got came on, he would sing that song. You down with OPP? Yeah, yeah, not me. And I'd, I'd probably pop him in the back of his head. I'd be so mad. And he'd be like, why are you tripping? I'm like, you know what that song is about. Y'all know what that song is about? OPP. How can I explain it? I think I think I think it. And then I was jumping and explaining it. You know, messing with somebody else's boo. That's what the song is about. And I was just like, don't you be singing that. Don't you be singing that. Don't you be singing that. Okay, let's finish this off right quick. Why are you always turning me into the angry black woman? Because you are. I'm the stereotype? Mm -hmm. Well, your ass, you can't even take care of your own goddamn kid. I'm fine being a stereotype. Despite being highly intelligent and complex people with strong professional potential, Ern and Van both frequently feel trapped by these damaging and reductive stereotypes. 
which their situations and their society's preconceptions make it almost impossible to escape. I'm not asking for money. You should be. Ain't you homeless? Not real homeless. Not using a rat as a phone or something. <laughs> wait a minute. Hold up. I had this part. Wait, wait. Uh, I want to tell you. Definitely Biggie. Thank you. Thank you. I, I preferred Biggie over Tupac as well. This nigga said, I got the cleanest, meanest, penis. You never seen this. Struck a genius. That shit is. I don't know why that stood out to me. But anyway. Because I was learning about illusions and alliterations. And he did that shit. I was on some language art shit. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> but um, come to find out. Probably the reason I like Biggie was because he was really emulating King T. Shout out King T, who I'm trying to get on my damn show. Hey, Mr. DJ was sampled from the late Michael Wyckoff's Looking Up to You circa 1982. Thank you, Impu. Thank you. Good info. Um, damn, I forgot what I'm saying. Hey, but anybody ever watch Atlanta? I have not, although I really think this actor is a great actor. He's nice to look at. He's a good singer, poet, rapper, and um, dancer, clearly, from uh, that video. <laughs> and I like the songs he used to do with Janae Aiko. And, uh, you know, I think he's a cool talent. You know what I mean? I just haven't watched the show. I just haven't sat my butt down and watched it. You really love Atlanta? Yeah, okay. Well, I'll give it a try. Is it on Netflix? It gets deep, and it's funny. Okay. Yeah, he's he's funny. He's a dimensional person, so I would think I mean like his his person like I've seen him act and he seems like he's got depth. What what's trash? You saw what's trash. What's trash? Oh, Atlanta. I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. I didn't feel inclined. Something about him was irritating me. You know what it was? I think it was that song when he was trying to kind of sound like flock uh 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 prince you know it's on oh it's on fx and hulu okay i gotta pay my hulu bill <laughs> okay well let's check the rest of this out let's check this out okay. once we become aware of how these negative caricatures were crafted to uphold slavery and segregation we start to see how deeply ingrained they still are both in our stories i am sick and tired of you always jumping to the angry black woman of it all and in our culture at large if it hurts a bunch of lazy blacks that wants their, the government to give them everything, so be it. It can be very hard to escape these stereotypes, precisely because they've shaped our cultural views so deeply and for so long. What would you have done if I told you that the solution to all your problems was a magical black man sitting out on the edge of town? Numerous contemporary examples, to varying degrees, still play into these stereotypes or bear subtle hallmarks of them. As modern viewers, we must do all we can to critically interrogate the stories we watch, to avoid slipping into assumptions, and to seek out thoughtful, nuanced depictions of Black people and others who have been marginalized throughout film and TV history. At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you want. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. Only through this mindfulness can we unravel and start to counteract the insidious effects of centuries of misrepresentation. If I'm not the nigga here, and you invented him, you the white people invented him, then you gotta find out why. This video is brought to you by Movie, a streaming service we love. 
every day movie premieres a new film. Whether it's a movie you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before, there's always something new to discover. So in this world where it's very easy to spend hours debating what you should watch, movie is like... Okay. Well, can I show you some other folks that's passing? They be tripping me out, these folks that be passing in this industry. Side note, since they brought up Get Out, Y'all ever thought maybe it's a cry for help? I mean, give giving Jordan Peele particularly. <laughs> you know what? Somebody else said that. <laughs> it is trash. I got the cleanest, meanest that you never seen. It's stroke of genius. Okay, okay. I give you that. True, true, true. However, I mean, he had other songs that were popping. You know what I'm saying? It was other songs, but I didn't like Juicy, though. I get you good and play I never liked that song. Here we go. Y'all heard about this? Jonathan Majors and Manager Entertainment 360 part ways. Actor facing domestic violence allegations in NYC. This is Deadline.com by Anthony D'Alessandro. Dominic Haddon. All right. I heard about this. So that means his management company, they decided they don't want to deal with him no more. Dang. Let's read. Let me see what it says. Hold on. Let me get my glasses. Where am I? Here we go. Exclusive. Talent manager, Entertainment 360 has dropped Jonathan Majors. Several sources tell us the recent move by Majors' longtime manager comes three weeks after the magazine Dreams star was arrested on domestic violence charges in New York City. Currently starring in Creed 3 and Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Major's departure was due to issues surrounding the actor's personal behavior where it forms. They allegedly assaulted a woman. He says he's going to clear his name. Wow. Let's see. He was in the Avengers too? Damn, he was that noble. He's about to be the next muggle. So somebody sabotaged him, you think? Or you think he's just that dummy? He's just dumb. He just sabotaged himself. <laughs> right? Well, they, people have theories, right? People have theories. People have theories, though, you know. Right. Right. Some R charges, and they say he ain't even do it. You know? Juicy was bad. I never. I get you good and plenty. Who liked that song? I mean, really. Anyways. <laughs> Let's see. Majors had already shot the second season of Marvel slash Disney's Disney Plus Loki, in which he reprises his uber villain role of Kang the Conqueror and won't go before the cameras in Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, for quite some time. Deadline here is there's been zero conversations in the Marvel camp to drop me. I hope they don't. But, you know, you can't. I hope he wasn't putting his hands on the girl. You know what I mean? Come on. You got to do better, man. You got so much at stake. But, you know, they said he was the one that called the popo. Yeah. 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 They said that, oh, girl. Saw he had some girl was calling, texting him, and she was in the car with him in the taxi. And, you know, just visualize that shit. You know how that shit went down. She was like, who the fuck is this? Why is she texting you at 2 in the morning? And he was like, 
Are you, are you, are you, are you, so you accusing me of something? Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? And she started tripping out, crying. You just, cause you're in the movies and you just, and then he was like, shut the fuck up, you tripping. And she was like, I am, you know, how we could get with that. I can see her, she's blonde. So she, she was scratching and acting like a cat. And he was just like grabbing her and shit. And then he was like, I'm calling Popo cause you tripping. And then the popo came, and because she was acting like a cat, she scratched her damn self with her wild ass wiry hair. Okay. And he might have grabbed her, you know. I don't know. I don't know his character like that. But they say he's not, I mean, you know, he's not no uh, you know, not grabby person. So it's possible. You know, we trying to constrain you because you grabbing at him. He might have just done that, you know. But um even look, look, just like with the Jaguar Wright shit, Jaguar Wright be saying a whole bunch of stuff about people, right? And some people think it's true and some people don't. And, um, you know, there's a there's an actual word. It's called truthiness, okay? Let me put that on the board. <laughs> Which means, if you look it up, it means it's close to the truth. It ain't necessarily the truth but it might have some truth in it. <laughs> it's a real word. <laughs> oh, you talking about, hey, uh, Takaz, you talking about uh, uh, Jaguar or chip malfunction? <laughs> or you talking about the girlfriend? So yeah, they won't, for some reason, they won't say it's his girlfriend though. But that's, if they make it, I mean, if it's a domestic violence thing, that means it's a relationship thing. You know what I'm saying? And uh, they should say that. But they are giving him the domestic violence charges, though. Okay, so look. The actor was arrested March 25th over an alleged domestic dispute with a 30-year-old woman. The unnamed victim was taken to the hospital with minor injuries to her head and neck, according to authorities. Majors is expected to appear before a judge May 8th as he faces multiple counts of harassment and assault from the New York City DA. Jonathan Majors is completely innocent and is probably the victim of an altercation with a woman he knows. Majors criminal defense attorney Priya Chowdhury told Deadline in a March 27th statement, we are quickly gathering and presenting evidence to the DA with the expectation that all charges will be dropped imminently. They brought out a text Let's see, the attorney says uh, the woman's redacted to protect the woman's identity in which the latter took blame for the fight. Quote, this is the text. Please let me know you're okay when you get this. They assured me that you won't be charged. They said they had to arrest you as protocol when they saw the injuries on me and they knew we had a fight. I'm so angry that they did this. And I'm sorry you're in this position. We'll make sure nothing happens about this. I told them it was my fault for trying to grab your phone. I only just got out of hospital. Just call me when you're out. I love you. This whole this whole this whole dude whole career is a rap. It's a whole rap. This is like it's 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 just a whole rap. It's just a whole whole rap. Another Johnny Depp story. Yeah, you know, it's it happens more than people really talk about. I'm learning. 
I'm learning that. Mm-hmm. Because when I learned, you know, I watch biographies. I love biography shows. Y'all like those? I like biography shows. And sometimes they show uh, the rock stars, right? And each, every single one of those rock group band members beat their wives. <laughs> they all had fucking abusive fucking, they all had baby mamas. They, they lived just like every other American in America. Okay. Pete... What's his name? Pete Wentz. Let me go on and just do this race shit right quick. I like doing this because, you know, the more we really understand, we're really all cousins and shit. We're all people. Maybe I'll get rid of that bullshit. But this is Pete Wentz. Y'all know who Pete Wentz is, right? He's from this really awesome group. Okay. He was a bit Fallout Boy. I like me some Fallout Boy. It was pretty dope. Is it a gym? Uh, uh, they were dope. But did you know Pete Wentz is black? Blackity black. Blackity black. Tina Turner, yeah. You heard that? She she was not like squeaky clean like they tried to play her in the movies. But yeah, Pete Wentz, they used to flat iron his hair. You could tell it's a flat iron now. They didn't make it a big deal though because, you know, I guess people trip out when they think you're not white or something in a rock band. You know, but that's Pete Wentz. And you're like, well, how do you know, Tamiko? How do you know? First of all, I've got my black dar. Okay, I know black dar. I got black dar, damn it. But number two, his mama. Let me show you his mama. His mama looks like my mama. <laughs> that's Pete Wentz's mama. Here she is. There's his mom. She's like mixed. So he would be what they call a quadroon. He's a quadroon. Yeah, because his mom's is mixed. But his daddy's white. I mean, according to their one drop rule, he is white. But in society, he is probably uh, living a white life. And, you know, I got these twins who were mixed with black and white, and they both had children. And one had a child with a white man, one had a child with a black man. And the one with the white man said when they moved to Europe, they claimed the baby is white. They don't even get into all that. Even though, you know, she's legally black in America. You know. That just shows you how fake that race shit is. It's just fake. But yeah, let's keep going. Earlier, if you guys were watching, I was showing some other people who passed. Pete Wentz, the fallout boy frontman, may seem like your typical white bread rocker, but he's actually 50% Afro-Jamaican, courtesy of his mom. Okay, dope. They revealing it. What about this one? Did y'all know this one was, was, was a Negro? Because I sure didn't. Hold up. Slash. I did not know Slash was black. That's his mama, though. And she black. Did y'all know that? They didn't make a big emphasis on that. And I'm glad they didn't. It just shouldn't matter. Ben Diesel is black. He's mixed, like completely. Like his daddy directly was 
was black and his mama was Italian. And they kept that a big secret. You know, Vin Diesel has a twin and his you could tell in the twin that they black. And before, that's why they keep Vin Diesel's head bald. Because <laughs> he got a little curly, nappy hair. Not nappy, but he got black people hair. You know what I'm saying? Vin Diesel looked black to me and poop. Yeah, there, let's see, there's a few quadrooms in my family. I call them the multicolors of Benetton. <laughs> They're all uniquely beautiful. Yeah, it's something about when we split those um, genes up like that. They, I must say, they hear some, some, okay, some can come out really and truly beautiful. What's the little girl from Spider-Man, the most recent Spider-Man? Her, she's, she's a mix too, I think. John Oates has some black in him. <laughs> Again, John Oates is black. One of his parents is directly Negro. Okay. But they didn't emphasize that. Now go on back and look at Oates Afro. He looked damn near like Lionel Richie. Fuck out of here. But look, there's Slash. Now you see it. I didn't see it in the 80s. I didn't see it. That's Slash in the 80s. I would have said he was Italian. I think I probably said he was Italian. Let me show you this picture. Right? He looked Italian. Now you can tell because he's older. But when he was younger, no, he couldn't. That's his dad. And there he go. Yeah, he was fine. Slash was fine. Shit. Y'all remember Slash? Mm hmm. Zendaya. Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. Tom Jones might have some black in him. He was supposed to check in two years ago. Mm, what's new, Pussycat? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Catherine Zeta Jones, too. Quit playing. Oh, that's his kid. But see how that next generation don't look blackety black. So that's what I was saying about the ones they be calling the Indians that be in the movies and make y'all think that y'all ain't from us, Latin folk, or not from us. I don't mean to make y'all sound like, you know, we evolutions or some shit. But what I mean is, look, this is just one, two generations, right? There's even a theory called the third generation rule that they was utilizing in, in, in Australia, right? Y'all heard about that back in the day, about 100 years ago, not that damn long ago, or maybe it was in the 1800s. You know, in uh, Australia, they have the Aboriginal people and shit, right? So yeah, go look at the Aborigine. They look exactly like the people from the island of um, Madagascar, right next to Africa, South Africa. Exact same people. But anyways, um, so they were still the children. Just same shit they did to the indigenous family here. They would kill the kids. I mean, kill the parents, steal the land, take the children. So the children, you know, would get with white people or, you know, our word, you know. And um, by that third generation, they was looking white again. You know, they would be like mixed looking and then the mixed person get with a white person and boom, third generation. You can't even, you wouldn't even know they was looking like Grace Jones and shit. You know what I'm saying? Because of them genetics. 
And that's the real thing that's popping. They mix them with black people on purpose to me at this time because they want to extend their life. It's not, it's, you know, that, that sun is really messing with people's um, skin. So, you know, why not put a little tan up in your family? You know what I mean? Put a little color in your family. You see all the Kardashians did that shit. My dad was Afro-Brazilian, Cape Verdean, and Portuguese. Oh, hey, what up, Exotical? Hey, Exotical. <laughs> I've, le I've learned that no matter how much the melanin is diluted, the DNA doesn't disappear. The history code, oh, yeah, has always is always preserved. We are truly amazing. I bet you won't know this one. Let me show you another one. Let me show you this guy. Let me show you. I know you don't know this one. That's right. That's right. Steven Tyler is a Negro. According to their law, the, the one, one, what was that? One drop rule. Oh yeah. His granny was looking like my granny. Mm-hmm. That's that octoroon. That's what we was talking about. He would be what they would call an octoroon. Yeah. They were considered the third, um, like third class citizen. They weren't first class. That was for the white man. Second class was, you know, um, uh, white woman. <laughs> and third class was the uh, half-breed. But yeah, they show some old pictures of Steven Tyler before the drugs and before the aging and the, before the nose jobs, you know, you know. And he was looking a little more, more brick mixedy mixed. He used to be super fine to me, honey. I'm not even going to lie. I thought Steven Tyler was sexy. Well, I mean, you know, I was about, what, 11, 12, 13, listening to Walk This Way. He was hot. Shit. Let's see. Steven Tyler. Young pigs. Let's see. He had an interesting look. I knew he wasn't completely caucasoid. He looked like he probably had some Indian or something. You know what I mean? The late singer Carol Cheney waited until she was old. Yeah, that's the name I was trying to remember. Carol Channing waited until she was old. Yes, I'm 91 years old, and I'm going to let you know that my father was a Negro. Yeah. That's who I was talking about. Yep. <laughs> I saw her little show. That nose child. Throw it away. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Carol Channing. Let me show y'all Carol Channing. Funny looking ass. I like Carol Channing, though. I came front. But did you know I went the whole 90 years without telling anybody that I was Negro? Yeah. And she showed the picture. She busts out with the picture, too. This is my father. But she would be what they would call an octoroon. Well, no, she wouldn't. She'd be a quadroon because her daddy was black and her mama was white. They just keep it blonde, honey. They get the nose job. They keep it blonde. Yeah, I like this bone structure too. 
Those lips on Stephen given ethnic. <laughs> Even though they were little worms, they were shapely worms, child. That's how I feel about Mick Jagger, too. When I met Mick Jagger, I was like, I used to call him Professor, because I don't know, the British accent, I guess. That was it, yeah, those lips, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had some swag. He had a little, he had a little swag. Yes, Carol Channing. Look at them nose jobs, boy. She had like three of them. I'm going to get my money. She's still alive, shit. She's living longer than most people in the game. Still doing documentaries and shit. And you know that's a wig anyway. She died. What? What? When was this? When did Carol Channing die? Oh my goodness. When did she die? Thanks, New York Times. Oh, you but she in ninety-seven? No, that's not right. She died at ninety-seven. Well, she lived a long one, man. Hello, Dolly. Well, hello, Dolly. You know what I'm saying about reparations is gonna be white folk coming out the woodwork on some, you know what I'm saying? Oh, you could really tell back then. You could really tell. Hold up, y'all not seeing what I'm seeing? Hold up. Y'all not telling me the screen is blank? Hold up. Hello, Dolly. So you could really tell back then, right? They be getting them nose jobs, man. Still nice to have you back where you belong. She was known from the theater world, and then she got on TV, you know, did a couple of movies, whatever. But oh, reparations. So that's what I'm saying. When reparations start popping off, it's going to be a gang of white folk, and they're going to be like, my great great grandmother, just like us, my great great grandmother. We both got the same extended fucking relatives. That's what I'm trying to tell y'all, man. They be lying to us about a lot of shit. And what I've learned is that we all motherfucking cousins. We just cousins. So reparations, word. Some of us should get it more than others. Okay. But just because we're black don't mean we was motherfucking slaves. Okay. You gotta, you gotta, they trying to push that shit. No, there were some black people that was like from Jamaica and shit. Okay, that was slaves that they brought here through Charleston. Like, I'm just repeating some things that I said earlier. Y'all can go right, rewind and look at the maps and all that shit. Okay, uh, we that's why they can't tell us what countries we motherfucking from. Okay, because we ain't from none of them motherfuckers. We've been here for a long time, my bros and sis. Now, some of our phenotypes came out looking more what they call Afro, African, whatever, because we got some of that in us too okay but we are the indigenous motherfuckers of this motherfucking land and we got you know what they call the american indian you know that's the uh, that's the alaskan that's the asian that's the indian i mean not indian that's a misnomer you know they have a name too they have tribal names and you know that's our that's our cousins and shit but you know that whole going to go get us that's some bullshit they wasn't even navigating on that level. They didn't even have boats. They didn't have the fucking ability to make boats 
big enough. Like, yeah, I always show them motherfucking pictures of how the slaves was all at the bottom of the boats. Nigga, that's a drawing. Again, that ain't what they really did. Them motherfuckers, they didn't master boating. They didn't master shit. They got lost at sea all the goddamn time. <laughs> Miss Nomer. Yeah, I got a big vocabulary. I had a really good English teacher. He, Mr. Mr. Uh, Swinford was honors 10th grade. He made us learn 50 words a week, man. He was not playing. And we had to know the definitions too. That's why, you know, my little students, they so lazy, man. I was like, man, I'm telling you, we had to learn 50 words a week. You have to be like, I'm very loquacious. You know what I'm saying? I circumlocute in my vernacular. He's not playing with us. <laughs> Anyways, yes, Cal Channing. You know, she kept it blonde and kept the nose perky. Yes. Oh, let me show you somebody else. Did you know? Did you know this motherfucker was black? Hold up. No, you didn't know. I know you didn't know. This is the guess who's black. Uh Okay, first of all, Anderson Cooper is, is black. Let me see. Let me show you who that is. Y'all know who Anderson fucking Cooper is. Anderson Cooper is, by all intents and motherfucking purposes, black. Blackity black. How many of y'all knew that? He is an octoroll. He's got ice blue eyes. You wouldn't know he was had Negro in him. But let me tell you. His mama is Gloria Vanderbilt. Schwarzenegger means black. So yeah, back when the Moors was in Europe, absolutely. I'm sure Schwarzenegger with his, he got swag too. He corny, but he, he got swag though. Let's keep it real. He had swag with his old ass. Okay, so that's Anderson Cooper. Now you see his phenotype is more Caucasoid, right? Hold up. Let's go back. He's white. He looks... He looks white. His hair is straight. He's got pale skin. He's got thin nose, slim lips, slacky jaw. Okay. <laughs> pale skin. But let's look at his mama. His mama is Gloria Vanderbilt. Did y'all know his mama was Gloria Vanderbilt? That was so fascinating to me. Y'all know who Gloria Vanderbilt was? I'm sorry, I don't need to cuss. I don't know. It's 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 the hip hop. Let me not run. Let me not blame. I will not cuss anymore this podcast. Will that make you feel is that okay? I don't have to cuss. I don't. Vanderbilts were like those they liked black people. Half the half the Vanderbilts was black. But Gloria because he liked messing with black women. Okay. So Gloria Vanderbilt's mama was black. His, well, her mama was mixed. I'll say Gloria Vanderbilt's mother was what we were just reading about, the plaza, the fake marriage. So her mama was one of them. Her mama was like a 19, hot, beautiful. Uh, let me show you a picture of Gloria Vanderbilt's mother. She was a mixed. So she and her sister, her parents used to, I guess, rent them to rich people or rich men or whatever. And he got her pregnant. And he kind of got sprung on her, you know? She was a hot young thing. She was a hot young thing, you know what I mean? And he was kind of a drunk, rich man. Um, this is her, her mom. It's Gloria Vanderbilt's mom. 
me go back. She was always detached for Gloria. Like Gloria grew up with the nanny that she loved so much. And the mom kind of got jealous of her relationship with the nanny and sent the nanny away. And Gloria was not the same after that. Like she shouldn't have done that. Like that was the only um, consistent thing she had in her life. And, you know, taking that away from her was just really heartbreaking. So that's her mother. I don't know if you can see that. Gloria Morgan Vanderbilt. She was a half-breed. Them cafe olays. Yeah. But um, they would, that's what they would do. They would, they would get with teenage women and, um, you know, make out an agreement, an arrangement based on their beauty and based on their money. You know what I mean? They, the girls had the beauty and the men had the dough. That's her. She was fly. She was fly. So, yeah, that's her mom. Her mom was half, well, Creole, I guess you'd say. And then uh, she married, a, she, she had a baby with a white man. So then, yeah, I guess Gloria Vanderbilt would be an octoroon. So maybe Anderson Cooper is not none of that. Maybe he's just plain old white because all them generations... I don't know. I don't know. His grandmother was black, according to what they call it in America. You know, she's like Mariah Carey. Is Mariah Carey black, y'all? Is she? Is Mariah? Is Alicia Keys black? <laughs> oh wait, what's that British one? The British girl. Um, she came out singing. Well, Meghan Markle even. Meghan Markle definitely looks like a Negro. Okay. But, you know, when she straightened that hair at that one point and when she put that little, she put that lighter color makeup on, she could, she could have passed. I would have knew. We would have known, wink, wink, but she could have passed. Oh, my God. The Freddie Washington was so beautiful, too. Let me put Freddie Washington on the, on the screen. Freddie Washington, she said that the film companies offered her to um, pass. Yeah. Back in the capacity for white. Hollywood tried to get, you just said, huh? Hollywood tried to get Freddie to do so and she refused and that limited her opportunities. Yeah, Freddie, Freddie Washington was like a freedom fighter, damn near. You know, she was kind of like, nah, Yana, you know, she basically said, you know, if I pass for white or exotical or whatever, I'm basically saying I'm not good enough. Like being black isn't good enough. And I don't believe that. I'm, I feel good enough. If I can't get parts because y'all don't want me in them because I'm too, she had blue eyes too. She had blue eyes. And they would have just gave her a nose job and made her lose about 10 pounds more. And then she would have just been like Natalie Wood. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? who I definitely feel Natalie Wood was like an octoroon. They totally lied about Natalie Wood's past. But yeah, Freddie Washington could have passed, you see that? But she was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Both of my parents is black. And yeah, this is from that movie. I like that movie. It's What's it called? Um, I can't even think of it right now. 
But it did affect her, you know, it did affect her career. Sarah Jane, all crazy. I grew up on the Vanderbilts. Me too, and Pooh. Uh, you know, just watching Gloria throughout the years. She had Anderson at an old, older age. And uh, wasn't that the other son, the other child killed himself? Something like that. Let's see Gloria Vanderbilt. You know, we felt sorry for Gloria Vanderbilt. That's what it was. I was really into biographies and stuff. And um, I read her biography. She was just a very lonely child. Like, you know, again, she had that nanny. The mom was partying. Like the mom got pregnant, had the baby, dad died. Boom. She earned all these millions of dollars. Imitation of life. She was Jane. Oh. <laughs> Everyone who had to hide their true identity went crazy. Yeah, you know, they reveal it much later. There was some famous journalist. I can't think of his name right now, but he uh, revealed, quote unquote, revealed that he was from New Orleans and was black too. Um, I forget the name. He wrote a book about it. Yeah, that's another stereotype too. They're called the tragic mulatto. You ever heard that? Those movies where it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't fit it anywhere. Those kind of movies. Like, oh, woe is me. I'm so beautiful, but I don't fit in anywhere. Which can be very tragic, you know? You know? But I think it's about the energy that you throw out, too. Like, um, I went to school with kids who were mixed, and they didn't get treated any, like, extra special because they was mixed. They didn't get dissed because they were mi mixed either, you know what I mean? They was just black. We didn't, it wasn't confusing to us. You was a nigga. You here, you at the same school, you get free lunch. Oh, you wearing the same uh, ponytail holders? Okay. Okay, you jumping double dutch? Okay. Okay. You, you, you're part of the crew. So... Anyways, let's see what else. Let's close that out. Did y'all have any questions? Or did I go to a black school? <clears throat> Thank you for asking that. Um, I For college, I'm assuming. Okay, so I'm from Chicago, which is a very black city. It's a very... It, well, I don't know how it is now, but it used to be very segregated. So I grew up around all kinds of different black folk. Like my particular family, my mother's family is from the suburbs of Chicago, right? So it's different, right? In the suburbs, black people and white people generally live around each other and may go to the same school, go to the same social events. It's a different thing. In the city, it's black, period. Uh, they have nicknames for the communities: Jewtown, Greektown, Chinatown. Okay, and then the Mexicans live on the uh, south side. Okay, and everybody has their own little sections, and you know not to move over there. You know that. That's how we grew up, right? So I never knew Asians. I never knew any of them people till we moved to Los Angeles. Even in Wisconsin, I lived in Madison, which was mostly I'd be the only black kid in the whole school. Okay. How you guys, you guys. Okay. And like, for example, one time, the worst experience I've ever had going to an all white school was, okay. So first of all, my mother made me double. 
which means I skipped a grade. I've never been to the second grade. So, but I've been to like fifth grade twice. That's another story for another day. But there was this French transplant boy in our class and his name was, Os what's his name? Oliver, Oliver. And I guess Oliver had an issue with me because I was different. So he decided he wanted to kind of bully me. And um, <clears throat> he started calling me, Noir Sausage, Noir Sausage. And then all the other kids started saying, oh, Noir Sausage, Noir Sausage. And I was like, what is Noir Sausage? What is that? And I looked it up. Child. Noir means black. And sausage is sausage. It was calling me black sausage, y'all. Black sausage, black sausage. <laughs> Noir sausage. Right? So at first I sat there stunned. Like, you know, you can't believe people are doing this. It was like from that scene from Carrie when they put the pig blood on her at the prom and the flashbacks of her mama talking about, they're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. Pops in your head. <laughs> I know I went deep on y'all with that one, but um, that's how I felt. That's how I felt. So, yeah. Nuance, I see. So I looked up something uh, in the French dictionary that I could say, you know, to cuss the kid out or whatever. I don't remember what I said. I might have said banana head and it was French. We're going to again, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I, I clearly that must have affected me because I still remember that. You know what I'm saying? Noir sausage. I swear to God. But anyways, I don't know if I was 1000% clear on what my message was for today for this memo but I really hope that it was clear to a degree. And um, I really appreciate you guys popping out with me tonight. I do have to work, so I must, sh I should go to bed. <laughs> but I hope you come through on Friday, Friday night. <coughs> Excuse me. That's called adult content and it's open panel, man. Don't be shy, click the link. Come on, chat with me. I'm going to talk about, I don't know yet. <laughs> I'll figure it out by Friday though. And I'll probably make a flyer for it. I really wouldn't mind doing an interview with somebody. I'm thinking about a few people, you know, I'll see. But anyways, give me a, uh, give me a one in the chat. If you learned some things tonight, I hope we all learned some things tonight. Chicago is still segregated. Gentrification has been on the move for a while. Black sausage. Yes, you know French and poo. <laughs> Noir sausage. Your potty mouth is cool with me. Oh, thank you, and poo. I'm always trying to improve myself. Uh, Drea, uh, hello, I don't know that we got to Freaknet, but I enjoyed you and I followed you on the ground. <laughs> well, you know what? It was it was a little earlier. Oh, uh, no, we didn't get into Freak. Let's get into Freaknet. Shit, let's get into it. All right, so I was the only African child in a school of over 2,000 out in the middle of nowhere in England. Wow, the racism was crazy. I told myself, these people are ignorant and kept moving. London is different. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Hey, you know what they say over here in America? They say that there is, like, they don't even believe there is racism in England, you know? 
So it's interesting that you mentioned that. Of course, there's it's global, right? The Britons are the number one. They're the ones that went over imper what imperializing and colonizing everybody everywhere. They're like the the refined originators of all this oppression. Uh, clearly, they're racist, right? Period. But um, I know there's a lot of Jamaicans and Nigerians there. And the poor whites seem pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? But I ain't been there yet. I can't wait to go. You know, thank you. I love your energies too. All of you guys have been super cool. And I, I freak Nick, let me get into that. So it's not, I, <laughs> I think I found an, ad, an article. Let me find it. They were talking about uh, these black uh, female. Okay. Let me just find a black female execs. Try to block freak Nick coming out. Yeah. That's what they're doing. They're trying to, they're, they're trying to sue. They're trying to sue, uh, whoever's bringing that movie out because they said they don't want that to mess up their career. So they're saying they weren't authorized to um, present that. So that's the bullshit right there. <laughs> Let's see what you're saying right here. I usually don't catch your live. It's always a pleasure to learn from you and people in the chat. Oh my God. You know what? I have met some really cool people in Pooh just going to podcast. I love Night and Day Network. They build on some real levels they give hollywood gossip but they definitely they definitely like build i love building they do it several times a day um lovely t is dope she always has receipts that's lovely ti i even like cynthia g she be banging on the brothers though that's not for the brother that's a woman's space right there <laughs> drea my best friend is from london and is african he's the most beautiful man i've ever seen girl Ooh, the county side is so different than the inner city. Mm, I can't wait to travel. I really can't. Let's see. Freak Nick. Okay, thank you. I forgot. All right, let's look at this article, guys. Let's see. Prominent black professionals sue Hulu over 94 Freak Nick documentary release. This is from news1.com, guys. Let's see. The release of Hulu's documentary about 94 Freak Nick. Hold on, this is distracting. Uh, celebrating its upcoming 30th anniversary has Gen X up in arms. Many of the 90s college students are now in their 40s and 50s and in the prime of their careers. A group of prominent black professional women planned to sue the streaming company and block the film's release. Based on concerns about what could potentially be exposed, they're filing a lawsuit in Atlanta's federal court against Hulu. The women are saying it's unlawful because they did not sign media releases. Mm. Uncle Luke is producing it. Freaknet, the wildest party never told. We'll also see Jermaine Dupree. Oh, I am not surprised. Oh, he's such a weasel. I can't stand Jermaine Dupree. I actually worked with Jermaine Dupree. He's so gross. He is just so gross. You want to know what he did? Can I tell you? 
<laughs> Night and day have such industrial and forward thinking minds. Love their young energy, pure love and education. Yes, yes, they are really wonderful. And I'm so thankful. I've met so many people from their show. And what I've noticed is we, a lot of us go from podcast to podcast, going into chats. And so we're becoming like a small community online of sorts. And I really like that. It's really cool. And I've actually acquired quite a few um, people from them, from their, you know, allowing me to talk on their show. I hope I'll be making sense. <laughs> and it's so kind. They allow me to, you know, speak my little piece. They just better know they're going to get all the ratings and settle in court later. Oh, yeah. You think they should just bring it out, huh? Like, forget that. So, okay, let me see. While some cast members of the RSMS agree with their defense and believe it may hold weight in court, Special K and DeBrat believe that fair use will come into play due to it being independent footage of the mass public. This group of women is comprised of one politician, three high-level corporate executives, and one judge. <laughs> oh, this is so funny. Let me pause right there for a moment. This is too funny. They just bring it. <laughs> okay, so first of all, why would you call yourself out like that? Now you're gonna let people know that you're in the movie. Is that that's really what they was trying to do, huh? They was really trying to let people know on the low, but try to flip it like we we trying to act like we don't want people to know what the fact that we're emphasizing us. We're wanting you to know we're in it, but we can't say that because we're professionals. That's what it is. Because these, let's, okay, so let me give my personal part of it. So in 93 is when my friends, my roommates went to Freaknik and they were like, oh my God, girl, you gotta go. Okay, so I had planned on going to the 94 Freaknik, but my daddy died in November. Uh, of, you know, 93. So I was like, I gave myself a year to just, you know, not do any activities. I, I was like, I pro I'm not going to do anything. And I'm glad I didn't. However, I wish I would have kind of, I wouldn't have played myself. I don't play myself period. So I wouldn't have been doing no extra BS that I wouldn't normally do. You know what I mean? But I would have had a ball because I was going to roll with Warren G and Snoop Dogg. And that would have been amazing because you know they was being nasty and i ain't trying to be nasty but i'll look at some shit you know that was the dream i want for us to do more positive links and hashtags you know what i gotta learn that hashtag science i guess i don't hashtag enough maybe i don't okay but anyway let's see oh i told y'all good sleepy let me see the freak nick documentary is set to hit hula where's my glasses why am i suffering like this okay <laughs> According to Media Takeout, one of the C-suite executives stated that there are already videos circulating online that show her in an unflattering light. She is married with three children, earns north of one million annually in her position, and is hoping to block the official debut. The women plan to remain anonymous. More details of the case continue to develop. The Freaknik documentary is set to hit Hulu in 2024 with a possible mid-April release. Next April will be the 40th anniversary of the famed 1994 Freaknik celebration. Uh, girls were doing way 
way too much, way too much. I mean, it was a disgrace. And how do I know? Because everybody came back telling. Everybody, it was so wild, they didn't have another freak net from what I remember. I think that was the last freak net. Or they paused it at least for like a year or two. Because, I mean, it was like an or orgy. It was like uh, uh, people was just doing outrageous sex acts on the street, on, in cars, on the ground, at events. A lot of head was cracking. I mean, <laughs> I see how that sounds. Uh, how do we say? Cunnilingus, you know what I'm saying. All that stuff was popping off in broad daylight. It was like somebody sprinkled love juice over the city of Atlanta. Not love, but, you know, making love juice. And everybody was in making love mode. It was going down. That was going down. So that's what the footage is going to show. I think some people got arrested even. I think it was, it, it was just, I mean, I heard about them leaving hotel rooms looking nasty. I mean, not just leaving towels on the floor, you know, stealing the towels, whatever people do. No, it was like broken shit, broken windows, broken chairs, broken beds, broken. It was just chaos. And I don't know why people felt they needed to do that. You, you totally never have to do that. You know what I mean? But Jonathan Majors, back to him real quick. Um, man, I don't know. We're just going to have to observe and see who they thought the next nigga should be. Because they didn't pick him. They picked him. He didn't do something. Or they didn't. They, he, did, he did something they didn't want him to do. Or he didn't do something they wanted him to do. It was something like that. And now he was like, nah. And now they just nixing his situation. But you know, God is the best of planners. You never know how this going to pop off. You never know. You know? Let's see. Yeah, they shouldn't have done it then. I don't, you know, what do you, I don't know exactly what you're referring to. But if you're referring to Jonathan Majors or, um, I don't know. <laughs> you got to let me know. But anyways, I think I'm going to cut it off here, guys. We've been on here for a long time. And I love long Does anybody else like po long podcasts? When I listen to the um, Night and Day or any of these people, even Jaguar Wright, when I would listen to Jag or even the people who talk smack about Jag, I would literally be listening in. I'd nod off, wake up. But I would be listening in for like hours, you know? <laughs> no, he shouldn't have. But you know, he's human. He is human, man. You know, he shouldn't have got the, he shouldn't have been cheating if that's, see, I, nobody brings that point up because nobody wants to admit that that's his girlfriend for some reason. They don't want people to know that that's his girl. Why is that? Who is that girl? Who is she to be kept secret? Oh, about the freaks at Freaknet? Exactly. They shouldn't have done it. You know what? I'm about to play video hoe again. No, I'm not. Um, but yeah, they shouldn't have. You know, that's unnecessary stupidity right there. There was a frequent in Maywood back in 96 at Miller Meadows. A lot of folks didn't know about it, but I saw the crowds. <laughs> Ooh, how was it? Was it cool? It was just in one location. See, the whole of Atlanta was just bussing. It was just 
I, I know because I've seen footage. I've seen footage of these young ladies and young men. You know, I wondered how many STDs and how many, excuse me, how many STDs and how many babies was coming out of freak nicks. Like what, 40th, oh, so that means about 40 now. It was made at the freak nick. No, that was in 83. They're talking about it in 83. In 90, 90, it'd be the 30th anniversary. Anyways, I'm going to get out of here unless you have some more questions. Uh, please click like, you guys. Make sure you click like. It really does help in the algorithms I've come to learn. We only act up in Philly when I sport. <laughs> you know what? I've seen footage of that, too. That is bugging. That is wild that they act so wild in, uh, about uh, a game. That, I can't relate to that. But that is, I've seen that. Even in the North Carolina, too. They be tripping. They be really bugging off if they don't get their games proper. Like, they be tripping. But um, anyways, I'll see you guys Friday night. And I appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, if you don't want to go on the YouTubes and the Insta, wait, no, not Insta, YouTubes and Twitches and the Facebooks, you can listen to the audio of this all on all the play platforms, the iHeartRadios, the iTunes, which is now, what is it, Spotify Podcasts, Deezer, Anchor.fm, where else? Did I say Spotify? Yeah, all of those places and more. Just type in the Tomiko show and it'll pop up. And it's just something to relax to, something to sleep to. Uh, I'm going to download it. I have to download it to it, you know, to do that. And, you know, that's just something to do. That's it. It's that simple. All right. Oh, good night, y'all. Have a good evening. And please, in, over in England, shout out. Share. Please share. Oh, yeah. One last thing, kids. Make sure you click like and also go check out the other interviews I've done on here. They're all relatively new. They're all within the past few months. You know, it's not like we're just talking about, we're not talking about music per se. We're talking about culture and history. Same shit we're doing tonight, but I do that with them specifically. So check them out, okay? Because they're chock full of information. They're not old. They're not dated. We're not talking about a movie uh, that they did or an album specifically that's current that, that we're, no, it's not a promo tour. These are particular interesting artists that I liked, that I thought are extremely gifted, that I personally wanted to have a conversation with. I knew most of, pretty much all of them at some point back in the 90s. Generally, socially, I was everywhere in the 90s. I was so social. It was ridiculous. Um, and I just reached out to a lot of these people because I wanted to talk to them and just reintroduce them to a new generation. I have students who may sneak around and watch my shit, and I want them to know who these artists are, you know what I mean, that are a monumental aspect of Los Angeles underground music. I mostly listen to some of the long podcasts. I'll be 12 hours long. <laughs> Not for me. Okay. My very informative. Yeah, yeah, thank you. You know, I didn't really know I had that many experiences in the entertainment industry until I started talking to my students down in Louisiana about my experiences. And they'd be like, dang, Ms. Gilbert, 
you uh you seen this and you done that and i was like yeah because you know pretty much everybody i know did extra work Every, all of us we, uh, we it was our it was the hustle it was the hustle you did in la if you didn't want to work at a re restaurant or or in a mall you did extra work so <laughs> thank you my podcasts are informative like my experiences in the entertainment industry thank you i hope they are um yeah so that's 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 why i do this i do this because i like communicating i love learning I like teaching and man, I got all these stories, but they're not like evil. They're not like, they're not like I'm trying to make artists look bad. I like, I like the celebrity culture. I, I mean, I don't like when people jock celebrities, but what I mean is like, Hey, I've been around a lot of them since I moved to LA and it's pretty damn cool. It's like you get perks and shit. Like I like being behind the scenes of stuff and I mean, I like my own energy with my own, I don't think fame is the word I'm looking for, but my own, my own swag vibration, whatever you want to call it. I prefer my own, but I'm saying I enjoy knowing talented people and a lot of talented people tend to become famous. Lay down. My son is, fell asleep in here. Lay down. Lay down. There you go. There you go. Um, they happen to become famous, some of them. It's funny. I see, I, I'll know a person before they're famous. I'll know them while they're famous. And then we'll, we'll like lose touch. And then I'll reconnect and we'll know each other after fame. And, and it's funny, the growth. You know what I mean? It's really interesting. Um, but yeah, I hope to see you guys on Friday. Thank you. But do check out the other interviews. If you've never heard of any of these West Coast artists, well, please check out their catalogs because they're freaking incredible. They help create a lot of the sounds that you hear today. They just never got the fucking credit that they deserve. You know what I mean? They never got the, I said effing. Sorry, I said I wasn't going to. But um, they they never got, they did. They just pushed, pushed that gangster rap. You know, they pushed the gangster rap. They thought it would make more money. They thought people was more into that culture. And they pushed the underground underground, right? But we thrived, you know? Uh, it just never was famous, except to some people in England or on some people on the West Coast. But those that know, know. But go check out The Far Side and Freestyle Fellowship and Abstract Tribe Unique. Tommy Co. I was known as Watts 1965 too. Volume 10, Medusa, Coco, Ava and Giant, CVE, Voodoo, The Alcoholics, uh, Jurassic Five, um, Skilo, Ahmad, who else? All these artists had record deals or some type of management deals, every single one, in a span of within two or three years. It was nuts. You know, I think volume 10 was probably the largest with Pistol Grip Pump with the Baker Boys. His was the largest. And that's my husband, by the way. <laughs> um, five footers, too. Shout out five footers. Although they were signed to a major. Um, they're still underground. Tomiko, you're very humble. Too many people get on the mic or YouTube and think they are all that. Aw, thank you. you. You know what? That's right. I've been to quite a bunch of them. They're entertaining, though. I will tell you that. They will catch me 
if I wake up two in the morning, I don't know who else wakes up two in the morning sometimes looking for something to watch or listen to. And I've been doing that more than movies. You know, movies ain't really catching me like that right now. What's catching me is like in real time building with other people like this. This is really fun for me. I mean, I keep the Netflix on because, you know, every once in a blue, a documentary will catch me. Or, you know, I want to watch something with the kids. Hulu too. Paramount Plus trying to get me. You know, I only like Paramount Plus because they had love and hip hop. That was it. Now they don't. So they got the old ones. And then um, did anybody watch? Okay. On um, what is that other? It's called. um, I can't think of it, but it has the best man series on there. Oh, my God. Please go watch that. It's 4 a.m. Where are y'all? Oh, you're Philly. It was one o'clock here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I appreciate y'all being up with, with, you know, to the break it down. Hey. (laughs) But yeah, so we'll do this again. If you're open, if you're available, it's called Adult Content on Fridays. Friday night, 9 p.m. Pacific. Oh my God, that's midnight, you guys, it's time. Maybe I should change the time. Maybe I should make it on Saturdays. Hmm. Maybe so. What do y'all think, y'all? You want to keep it Friday nights or you want to have this like Saturday? And then, you know, so my East Coast folks won't have to be up to the break. Oh, do y'all like being up like this, especially on the weekends? I was calling a pajama jammy because, man, one time we stayed up. I promise you it was like 12. I mean, it was like 9 p.m. to like 9 a.m. It was so dope. And it was a gang of people too. It was like people actually came on and get, you'll see it. If you go check out my lives on the Tamiko show podcast, whatever, you'll see the lives. And it's like people literally clicked in, gave their opinions, talked, smoked, drank, ate. I'm always eating. That's why I'm 10 pounds heavier. Oh my God. And um, <laughs> it's a lot of fun though. Cause you learn how people, we're learning how to communicate in a healthy way. You know, we're defeating the odds. You know what I mean? Like, they're really trying to push this narrative that men and women aren't getting along. We're not vibing. And we're dispelling that myth. Okay? We're up on here. And and, and it got ugly a couple times on the shows because I had a couple of stubborn folk on here who really were hardcore about their view of black male-female relationships and males and females. I don't use the term female. I'm just saying. Um, And it got heated. It was beautiful, though, because you can't come around this space and not try to resolve things. I like resolving issues. I don't like for people to um, still be confused. Because that's slave to me. That's slave thinking to be on the stuck on stupid stuff, okay? Always try to solve problems. Try to figure them out. And if it's not solvable, solvable, let it go. Let it go. That's about it. Let's see. You say do Friday and Saturday. Yeah, that's what I'm pretty much doing. So Friday, and then you could catch the replay. But really, I really enjoy the um the the chat interactions. And again, I will put the link out there. So if you would like to hop on here and give some commentary, you are more than welcome to do that. For ninety, for me, the nineties was the last time I found it mostly easy to talk to people. Yeah, you know, we've all been observing way too many traumatic events. We don't really know how that stuff's affecting us. We don't know. It could make us more leery of interacting. 
maybe some of our own abandonment issues from back in the day might be popping up. We're all older now, you know, uh, we don't know. Uh, but you gotta, you gotta fight through it though. You gotta fight through it. And that's why I like these type of things. I, I believe that we can, we are communicating and it's interesting. We're building, we're talking about in, different events. Oh, another thing. So on Friday, what's going to happen is I do current events. People send me, you know, little snippets uh, from Instagram all the time. And it's so much fun doing commentary on those. So that's what I'm going to do on Friday. We're going to, if you have some, some stuff you want me to talk about <laughs> on here, just send it to the, the Tomiko show or Tomiko show or whatever. Um, and, and I'll get it and I'll do it. We'll talk about it on Friday. All right. So yeah, I, I do need to go to bed. I'm tripping, but I really appreciate this energy and hopefully I will see you guys regularly. Uh, uh just like night and day, man. I be, Hey, when I'm at work, man, I'll be like, Oh my God, are they on yet? When are they getting on? <laughs> I know they're pretty tired at this point. They probably, you know, they probably need more rest. You know what I mean? I enjoy, I wish I could meet them in person. They seem like they're probably really short. <laughs> they're out there in Philly with y'all. He was giving us so much knowledge on night and day on ancient Kimmet. And the way you speak is so palatable. Like not like you preaching. I love it because I'm interested. And tonight was fun. Oh, yay. That is a winner chicken dinner, man. That's a, that's a plus. That's very good. Thank you. They from Philly. Yeah, they in Philly. They get their CBD grown by the Amish. That is, that's incredible. That's really incredible. The Amish is growing weed, y'all. That's crazy. But anyways, I'm not mad at it. You know, it ain't got to, it doesn't have chemicals and things. At least you know that. You know what I mean? But anyways. All right, y'all. I got to go. I got to go to work uh, in the morning. So, I got to wrap this up, but, um, Friday y'all 9 PM or yeah, I'm going to do it at 9 PM Pacific. I got to do that. I got to make dinner and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and it's a mukbang y'all. It's a mukbang. So try to have food. Uh, good night again. I like doing this. That's why it, that's what it is. They everywhere out here though. Yeah. Most people I encounter are mostly into self-destruction. What can you do for me? Yeah. Because we're hypnotized some of us, um, we got to snap out of the hypnotism. You know, uh, if you listen to a certain frequency and a speed and a, a sound wave, it can, and they say in chants, then it goes into your subconscious and you start behaving in ways that you didn't even think you would behave in. You know what I mean? Because they put a spell on you. They've hypnotized you. You know, Remember Erica Badu back in the day? She even said that she would do that. She said she would um, whisper shit on her album and stuff. You know what I mean? Um, but she's, you know, in a positive frequency. But still, don't nobody want nobody whispering stuff. You know, when you listening to a song, who wants all that? But um, but but aside from that, this trap drill type of nonsense. I'm speaking on the Amish. My mom is super hardcore Hebrew Israelite. All she eats is food from. Oh my god! You know I had the healthiest diet when I ate like with the Hebrew Israelite family in Atlanta. I ate the best. I didn't eat no meat. Well, no. Oh, that's not the truth. Hold up. I ate one chicken thigh fried 
chicken from Publix on Sundays because I was breastfeeding. So I was like, I, I need this chicken. <laughs> but the whole rest of the week, I was vegetarian. Um, and uh, I miss that. But I'm in a different space right now. Um, in Las Vegas, it's not that easy for me. Let me don't make no excuses. I'm not going to make no excuses. The food is, it, it, there's so, it's international. It's like you can get any kind of food from anywhere in the world here, man. It's just pretty awesome. It's, it's really, really awesome. I could go see any comedy shows. I could see a magic show. I could see dance, theater, symphony. And, you know, I haven't been doing that. You know, the corona thing. Then they have these beautiful workout places because, you know, there's a lot of showgirls here. So they be trying to stay in shape and stuff. And they got athletes and all kinds of stuff here. So they really invested into beautiful workout places across town. Not you remember it was from Publix. Yes. Oh, my God. That shit was bomb. They had the best fried chicken in Publix. I cannot. In the deli. It was just so good. Um, broke my vegetarianism. I was vegetarian for almost five years. <laughs> I had me some Southern fried chicken for real and to do out the window. Yep. Yep. They don't season like they do here. Like the, Las Vegas don't season like the South. In Louisiana and Georgia, I was spoiled rotten. They really, they, they Tony's up everything. It's just delicious. Out here, they be on some lorries, and it ain't the same. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. So, but but it's delicious still. It's just different. You know what I mean? It's acquired taste. I remember when I first moved here, I was like, they food don't have no flavor here. But I've been here for a while, and, you know, you can find some good spots. Like, there's this Nigerian restaurant I want to try. Oh, my God, I cannot wait. Whew, I love me some okra stew mm, mm, mm. and then they have like all kinds of vietnamese restaurants korean barbecue out here Woo! yes they have a lot of mexican food places oh i mean it's hard to you know <laughs> it's hard it's hard and then they got barbecue spots too i mean and then the the, the hotels have restaurants it's just it's a wonderful place to live when you you know Drea Tamiko was indeed dropping that knowledge on night and day. I really hope I was understood on there. That's dope. That's really dope. Oh, that reminds me. Okay, on that note, so look, I'm being a microphone fiend right now. I'm going to go on and play Heavenly. I'm going to play. Have y'all heard Heavenly? No, I'm not going to play Heavenly. Go listen to Heavenly when you have time, guys. Go ahead, listen to Heavenly. I'm going to go to bed. All right, y'all. Uh, I'll see you in those night and day streets tomorrow, probably. <laughs> uh, you know, all right. All right, y'all. Good night. Peace. Thanks for joining. Click like.